much more than this broken world they pushed on you. Shut down because you wouldn't conceive. I into the ship that said to believe. Always felt there was something else you came to do. Now the new age is dawning. Finding that you have so much to say. Good morning, this is Dan. Welcome to the Spiritual Underground Podcast. Uh, this morning is a rainy Saturday morning here in uh, late February, and uh, we've got a special guest in the studio, uh, author of uh, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery. Christopher Cohn is sitting in with us. We're going to spend some time talking about the book, uh, just a complete juiced uh, beginning to this story. A book come out, uh, actually, I think people were getting it in their hands on Tuesday was the delivery of the when people were starting to receive them. So been a, a big, a, well, a long journey and, uh, and, uh, and a big crescendo happened when the book finally landed in uh, people's hands and on doorsteps and uh, was just a really cool day. So we get this podcast underway to get this uh, movement moving forward. Um, I'll read a little bit first. Uh, I'll start at the beginning. This is just the beginning of chapter one. This is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. Well, how did I get here? That is lyrics from Once in a Lifetime by the Talking Heads. You sense something is wrong. You've felt it for some time now. For several months, maybe even years, you've been able to put it off. Pretend it wasn't there. Maybe you've been telling yourself, just stay busy. Don't look too deeply. Keep moving forward. But then, there it is, back again. Demanding your attention and thwarting your every effort at an intentional ignorance. It's that tickling, uneasy feeling that life isn't supposed to be like this. My life is not supposed to be like this. It has been building in you with the frustration of an unreachable itch, and now the truth will no longer be denied. Welcome to the podcast, Christopher. Well, hello, Dan. Hello, all you kids out in podcast land. Glad to be here this morning. Yeah, Appreciate super, it. Super fun, ain't it? Yeah, this is juice. Oh, and I did want to say right at the upset... Okay, so if you had told me four years ago when I first met you that I would be sitting here doing a podcast with my sponsee talking about my book, I have to tell these, I, please, anybody listening, recovery is the coolest thing in the world, genuinely the coolest thing in the world. I personally did a lot of acid back in the day to try and have these kinds of experiences, and you can never, ever, ever, ever predict the juice that's going to come your way if you're in the solution, you're doing this, this deal that we do. And uh, so, like I say, if somebody had told me that this would have been happening, I said, I just met this guy. There's no possible way. And then here we sit. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Well, I can say I can echo the same sentiment. You know, four years ago when I first met you, um, you know, there was a thing in my head that would tell me over and over again as you were like guiding me. Uh, we, I, you hear that in my story. I won't go into that too deeply. But as we started doing the work 
and you started guiding me uh, and you were you would tell me certain things that, you know, I would hear you and there was something drawing me to want to believe and to stay on the path. Mm-hmm. But there was still the other voice in the back going, this is baloney. Yeah. Uh, and, can't and, be true. Yeah, can't be true. This is or way what's too much. The, what's the hitch, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. That's well, what yeah, we always the do as alcoholics. Yeah. We're yeah. always looking for that other shoe to drop. We can't believe in nothing. Yeah. And then you I know. started walking down this path and yeah, to be four years later. To, I think to you should add this to your miracle list myself on that uh, miracle Absolutely. story yeah. that you got yeah. there. <laughs> well, you're going to have Those to probably do an entirely another story is what you're going to have to do in a year from now based yeah. on what happens with this new movement we're trying to start. Right. The journey continues. And, yeah. Uh, in that other list, uh, in that other podcast, I spoke that you you say uh, add that to the list. <laughs> it's kind of like our other little thing. You know what that is? Add don't to. You? Add yep. to. Add that to the list. And so yeah, this needs to get added to the list. Yeah. No doubt about it. Very excited to be here this morning. Can't wait to to dig into all this. So where do you want to start? Want to start talking about like what was the well, catalyst that started this whole? First thing? of all, people need to understand this was not my intention to write this book. I I. Um, for lack of a better term, without sounding too pompous, um, had a calling. I was asked to write this book because if you had told me years ago, oh, would you like to write a book about the steps? Would you like to modernize the approach? Would you like to uh, start a new movement for everybody to do the steps? I would have said, you're crazy, can't be done. And certainly not me, right? Certainly not me. I am not capable of such a task. But that's the miracle of having a higher power in your life because it gives you that strength. It gives you that um it keeps you carrying on when you cannot carry on yourself, right? Doing for me what I cannot do for myself. Right. So, well, all this started, Dan, back in about 1997. I had found myself, uh, I'd come back to Louisville, and I actually wanted to come back when I was a kid, you know, just like anybody in a hometown. Couldn't wait to kick the dust off and go to Los Angeles, go to New York, all the places I've tried to find a new home. And, and I was drawn back to my home, and um, I was a little bit lost, I think. Uh, I'd been writing, and uh, I'd worked for a corporation for about six years, and um, not happy in the systems and institutions land, you know, as we call it. And uh, when I came back, I knew I needed a sponsor, and I was a little bit floating in the program. I mean, I had what I call fine and dandy recovery. That's kind of the general brand of recovery you see out there. I go to a meeting every now and then, you know, I help others if I'm called upon, but not really seeking it out myself. And I knew I did a sponsor, and I started going to this meeting on Thursday nights, and, I, and there was this guy there that caught my attention, and he's a little brusque. He has a little bit of a reputation. <laughs> some people like him, some people don't. We call him affect, I call him affectionately the Sarge. Uh, that's because he was a, a drill sergeant in the Vietnam War, actually. And um, I knew I needed a sponsor, and I, I'll tell you what drew me to him, because a lot of people will say, well, you know, that seems like an odd fit. Why would you pick this guy who's a drill sergeant for the Vietnam War? It's not really... Uh, I'm more of a pacifist myself, maybe. Um, And I tell you what I saw. This man, um, from my memory, went through three separate operations for brain surgery on a tumor. And every time he'd come back to the group, he was not in self-pity. He was carrying his head high. Um, The strength I saw in that and the courage and I said, how, does, how do you go through surgery for brain cancer, right? I think there's probably no two scarier words on this planet than brain cancer, yeah, in my right. opinion, right? Yeah. So um, I saw him walk through that. And I said, teach me how to do that, man. You know, seriously, that was something. And uh, what he did right away is he started feeding me tapes. You know, this is back in the day, kids, when we'd have CDs all just hanging around. These are like cassette tapes, yeah. Pop them in the car stereo. Or in your Walkman. Remember the old Walkman, right? Jam around in that. 
And, uh, I mean, he popped tapes at me every week. We A big six-tape step study from one guy and then a story from another guy. And it was all what I call the spiritual giants of Alcoholics Anonymous. These are people who are our unsung heroes. I know there's a lot of people out there who will take an attitude towards circuit speakers. And I say, you get out there and do that work if you think it's so damn easy to give up your weekends and be away from your kids for the sake of service to help others recover, right? Yeah. And these people are putting themselves out there. I mean, telling their full story, sharing their experience, strength, and hope. And uh, I started listening. As I'm listening, I'm seeing this deeper level of recovery. <laughs> I could feel it. These people, you know, you can tell when somebody gets at the podium and it's all ego. And then as soon as they walk away, they drop that uh, facade. And you're like, yeah, I knew it. You were just acting up there is what you were doing. But these people had a peace. They had a... Um, strength of character they had a mission they had a purpose that was way deeper than i was seeing in the average member in the groups i was going to and i knew i was missing something i didn't quite know what it was i just knew that these guys have something i want and i i want to i want to get some um luckily providence took a hold i started going to this men's group here in town that has quite a reputation it's a little bit of a hard-ass group uh, a lot of testosterone in the room you definitely want to watch your mouth when you go in there otherwise you'll get picked apart and there was this uh, guy in there, Dr. Burns, uh, one of our uh, gurus here in town. Um, I assume there are gurus in every town in, in Berg in the world of AA, you know, yeah, people sure. who that we rely on for uh, answers and guidance, and they have experience beyond the average person. And Dr. Burns took an interest at me in a retreat we had gone to for that group one time, and he said, you know, I'm going to take you through the steps. And I don't think he knew or had any idea why, and I didn't, I didn't either. I just felt like, yeah, well, it's about time. I haven't been through the steps in a while, so let's go through them again. And by the way, that's something you can do in case anybody out there wasn't taught that way. It's actually meant that you go through the steps several times because you do accumulate things throughout your life that you need to yeah. dump. Because the word continue is used Continue. Yeah, what a concept, right? Or just settle for, this is good enough, right? Yeah, I didn't read that settle for. <laughs> well, that's what we see a lot, unfortunately. Um, so uh, we started working those steps, and uh, there was one speaker in particular, Scott L. from Nashville, who um, had played a huge influence on, on uh, my growth. And, um, and the tapes, all the spiritual giants I was listening to, I used everybody. I mean, you know, I'm a sort of a student of, I like to say I haven't done very many things well in recovery, but the one thing I know I get an A-plus at is I'm a good student. I will sit there at your feet, and I will listen, and I will absorb, and I'll shut up, and I'll take it in, and I'll do what you say. And so I started doing that, and um, a miracle happened. Something happened. Something changed in me. I went to this next level of recovery that I like to call optimum. And I don't think I'm there at like the top, top, right? I'm still saying there's a lot of room for me to grow and expand. But um, I was operating on this whole new fourth dimension existence that Bill talks about in the book, right? Right. Uh, for those of you who've read the big book, Bill says, you know, it's the fourth dimension of existence when you do this work. And as a writer, I just have to stop at some of the choices he made because we know that Bill had a dictionary out when he was writing the book because he, he, he didn't want to repeat himself too much. He wasn't a professional writer. And so if you think about that phrase, okay, he had to, <laughs> anything that existed, with, with, existed within the three-dimensional world wasn't enough to describe how good recovery was at that level. And so he went and said, it's the fourth dimension, right? And we don't see that in rooms. We don't see fourth dimension of recovery. We see a lot of people just sort of settling and hanging in there and being hanging dry, in. doing just enough, right? Yep. So, um... 
And I would go out and speak. And at that time, I started getting asked to speak a lot at meetings, and I'd talk about it. I'd say, okay, the only thing I can explain it to you guys is that I feel like I had um, a Hemi V8 engine inside in my soul, and I was probably operating on about 1.5 cylinders. <laughs> and then suddenly, this next level of recovery just opened up the whole engine. I was like, yeah, let's go. This is like... My whole life changed. My whole life changed. My service work became a passion. Uh, we started this group called the Holy Rollers, which was prior to the spiritual underground going on. Um, and we were we called ourselves the Holy Rollers because we would roll up on a person who was hurting, a person who was dying, and we wouldn't let them leave the parking lot until they were part of our group. Yeah. We wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> we wouldn't get them sober against their will, guys. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But uh, we had an enthusiasm that was infectious, and they wanted to be a part of it. Um, then I... Um, I started thinking to myself, you know, if I've had this experience and these other guys have had this experience, I don't feel like it's getting out there and I don't feel like it's written down anywhere. And I've always had this thought, it's in the book, uh, when I was a kid, why is there not a manual for life to be successful, right? We have the Bible, we have the Quran, we have all these things about telling us to be a good person, don't be a sinner, don't kill each other, right? Like you have to be told not to kill each other. Yeah, I don't thou know. shall not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we don't really have a manual about how to succeed and have the optimum experience of happy, joyous, and free in this life. And you have to think about those words, too. And Bill talked about that. You know, those are very specifically chosen words about how we're supposed to feel once we do this work. Happy, joyous, free. Breathe. Do you see that in the rooms? Look around. That's why I just ask people when, when, during the middle of a meeting. Go ahead, look around. What do you see? Do you see happy, joyous, and free? Because to me, uh, happy, joyous, and free is going to like a playground with a bunch of kids. Yeah. Right? Right. There's your happy, yeah. joyous, and yeah. free. Yeah. It's, it's right in your face. Yeah. Can't the miss screaming, it. the running, the playing. Uh. Yeah. No, um, none of that programming, which we'll get into later. They're free of all that. Um, so I said, you know, this should be documented. There should be a way to write this down. And I went to my old spiritual teacher up in Minnesota. Her name was Marion Rice. Um, God bless her. She's my greatest teacher I've ever had, about four foot eight. <laughs> well, I exaggerate. She's probably five foot three or something. But she had red hair out of a bottle, and she was nuttering a fruitcake, but she was so positive, and she taught me so much about the spiritual laws and spiritual truths and how to use them, most importantly. And I said to her, you know, I really want to book, write a book with you because everything you've taught me um, has meant so much to me, and the world doesn't know. And she actually took my hand and when we were eating and she said, um, you have to write your own, your own book. You have to write your own voice. And I was very hurt by that. I mean, I left and I was like, what the hell? You know, I'm trying to approach you. I'll do all the work. I just want to use the tapes from the classes and stuff, right? And she didn't feel that that was the way it was supposed to be. And God bless her for doing that. Fast forward, I got another spiritual teacher down here, Kathy Mae Miller. Um, she's what we call an angel whisperer for stretch your minds a little bit out there. She has an angel guide named Josephine, and um, she's pretty in tune. If you ever met her, and I need to take you to her sometime, Dan, it will blow yeah, your we've mind. We've been threatening that for a long time. She's, well, let's make a date because uh, she's got the goods, and I've been to people who don't. And, and Anyway, we, I went on a retreat with her, and I was struggling to write this spiritual book on my own, and I was probably about 400 pages in, maybe 500 pages in. I had a pretty good project going for a couple of years there. And um, 
I was very restless. It was Sunday. I wasn't getting anything out of the group. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go walk the grounds. I need to get out of here. And it was an early spring day. The wind was really blowing up hard and the trees are going back and forth. And there's a little bit of greenery starting out. And, and it was warm with the sun, but also cold at the same time, you know. And um, I was very restless, just like the, the weather and the wind. And it just occurred to me. It was like, you're, you've got to give up. You've got to stop writing this book. This is not the book you're meant to write. You've got to start over. And I was like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. I've been working on this for two or three years. I've got four or 500 pages. You're telling me I gotta put, throw this away, start over? That's what the voice said, loud and clear. You gotta start over. So immediately I ran to find Kathy May. I ran to her room and talked to her. And I said, what the hell's going on? She says, well, sounds like that's what you gotta do. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even give me any sort of cushion or I'm sorry, baby. Just sort of like, that's what you gotta do. So I'm like, mm, 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 you know how we do. Yeah. <laughs> And um, I sat down and started writing this. And this book evolved on me. It took a hold as I was writing it. And I didn't realize I was going to write the steps and how to do them and all that. I, that was not the goal. The goal was to write my truth and what I've been through in my spiritual growth journey, right? But I didn't know I was going to write so-called, quote-unquote, a modern take on the big book. Yeah. Yeah. And that's even that's very scary language it for is. me. I'm yeah. not trying to I still flinch at insult it. or, Update, you know, offend modern. anybody out there. But, you know, all I can say is I work in a treatment facility every day and we're watching these kids die from heroin and everything else there. And so what? They're going to throw the blue book in and said, read this about this guy from about, you know, 80, years, 80 ago. years ago and see what you get out of it. Could we do more? You know, as we like to say with a capital yeah. M. Yeah. Um. So I've been at it for about five years, I think is a fair estimate of how long it's taken me to write this book. It's fought me every turn, every lick. You've been with me on that. It's not been easy. It's not come easy. No, it has. At all. At all. And to wrap up, and then we'll get into other things, I think my goal in writing the book was I wanted to first document, right, what we talked about. The word, how, can we, how can people get this next level of juice? For those who don't know what juice is, juice is the God stuff, the good stuff. That's the stuff that makes you happy, joyous, and free. And you hear it to me, and you're like, juice, that's good stuff. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. It just feeds you. It gives you something, right? Um, and then it started occurring to me, oh, we're writing this book for everybody. This isn't just for alcoholics or addicts to maybe go right. to that next level of recovery. This is a book that we can now open up the doors, possibly, to the entire world right and share these um you know for how many years have we sat in the rooms and said gee i wish my mom or dad had this program yeah, yeah. i wish my friends had these steps yeah, yeah. everybody outside yes yeah we do in some it's a thing or the world you know yeah. we say yeah. what kind of great world would it be if everybody, if everybody worked the 12 could, steps yep. can you imagine yep. can you imagine the heaven on earth we would have if everybody worked the principles in the 12 steps seriously yeah no around, war yeah. no famine no uh on your day brother, no prejudice. Yep. The washing, you know, when the people were talking about their spouses and, you know, the little, the other, the parents and the boss and uh, always pointing to somebody else saying that wish they would work this program too. <laughs> well, it's kind of a funny experience. Uh, the book's only been out five days maybe. And uh, I've run into several people who are like, oh, it'd be so great if my sister read this or, or let me get one for my brother. And I keep trying to tell them, you know, no, this is actually for you, too. You might want to yeah, peek your nose right. in there. Yeah, and get I, something a, yeah that is funny. How, yeah, that, I need one of those for my buddy, mm -hmm. not for me. And automatically they associate somebody who's addicted. You know, yeah, my right. son's addicted, so he needs to read this and say, well, you're probably pretty sick with his addiction, too, from codependency and things. You might get something out of this as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's about the origins of it, and I can't believe it's out. You know, we went through the whole process of getting it listed on Amazon, which if anybody's done that out there, my hat's off to you. It's a nightmare. I don't know why it's got to be so complicated, but <laughs> it was, as you were with me the whole way yeah. on that. Yeah, that you know, and then this guy calls me quickly. on like Monday, Sunday morning. Hey, it's out. And I'm like, what? I was half asleep. What's going on? What? Yeah. It's uh, out. Yeah, yeah. It was the proof copy and all that. Would you hit the submit button on Friday? Is that was the day that you hit the final? I on think the, so. Yeah, and then they they sent me an email on Saturday saying they I needed to fix this one little thing. Yeah, yeah. So it was just the day before. Yeah, yeah. and I didn't expect you know over the weekend. Who expects them to be working right. on a Sunday? Yeah, I expected it to be a Monday thing, but yeah. I kept on looking. And uh, and and I, t- I remember woke up Sunday morning, gave it a look, uh, went to yoga, did a yoga class, walked outside, sat in the car, pulled up my phone, gave it a look, and pow, there it was. <laughs> That's that so was, awesome. Uh, yeah, and I wanted to, I was like looking around to see if anybody else, <laughs> like, like the world was supposed to know, like, uh, <laughs> hey, look, look. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, a really fun day. It's been a fun bunch of days. It really has. It. And, a real you know, flurry whole, of activity, texts and emails and calls and people excited. And yeah, a lot's happening right now. Yeah, and the whole journey alongside of you with it, you know, the honor that I feel to have been along with you, you know, when uh, you, you you talked about it a little bit when we first started getting together and working together, you know, but I really obviously, like at that point in time, my eyes were very, fairly closed and I was only concerned with uh, surviving the next couple of days and not going to prison and things mm-hmm. like that. Which is pretty important. Yeah, it was really important to me. It really, really was. <laughs> And, you uh, had your goals straight yeah, at the time. Yeah. You just really wanted to stay out of prison. So I could hear that, but you know, it was more like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> what do I need to do next? What I, you know, I, I got this thing going on. So then when, you know, some time went by and you would t- tell me about it, you know, and, uh, and, and share the day-to-day things on writing. And, and it started like, I remember it started like seeping in where, you know, there was some like some, um, Frankly, in the beginning, I wasn't that interested, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, like you said, I had bigger things going on. But as time went by and I started getting healthier and I started hearing and I also could start, you know, finally start, I guess at some level, my heart started opening, right? Mm-hmm. So like, and then I was able to actually hear your passion about it where that was blocked from me before, mm-hmm. you know, and I could start feeling that. Uh, the passion you had for the writing and I could hear the frustration well, and I could hear that. You did your own steps too. And I think being awakened from the process of doing your steps. Yeah, right. You were able to be see things you just yeah, couldn't see yeah, before. Yeah, it's yeah, like I was I'm getting to well. throw this book at people who have no reference point of what the steps are. They just go, oh yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> they just yeah. don't understand you. This could change everything in your dang on life. Yeah. You know. And, uh, so the, yeah, it was it was because of doing the steps that my heart was opening and my mind was opening and different things. So I was coming alive, I could say, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and and you and I remember the day that you were, were talking. And you said, "Hey, I would like to give you this one chapter and have you read it and see what you think," you mm-hmm. know, or something of that nature, you know. And and man, I mean, if I could have come like dove through the telephone and went through the wire, <laughs> I'd have landed in your lap with my hands out. <laughs> uh, but I think I, if I remember right, I probably played it cool and said, "Yeah, man, I guess I'll do that." <laughs> <laughs> That'd be okay, I suppose. Uh, but well, uh, when I first got it in my hand and first started reading it, you know, I see it. You know, it was the introduction of the book, and I have it right here in front of me, uh, of knowing that the process you had just taken me through, which completely, like when the other book says, revolutionized my entire way of thinking, yeah. was starting to appear in words in my head. Which hands. is what Carl Jung said we need: a complete rearrangement. Yeah, a dramatic. Yeah, deep and effectual. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, 
So, you know, we started doing that little deal where, you know, I'd, you'd give me a, a manila folder full of papers. I don't even think he gave it to me. I think he handed me the papers in the first, and I started putting them in manila folders <laughs> to give them back to you because I needed some way like, to keep it captured. Uh, and so then we, I remember, like, it's almost like a dope deal out in the parking lot at the end of Tuesday nights. You know, I'd, I'd give you my package, and you'd give me yours, and we'd swap, and I'd give it back. And, and I remember, uh, you know, you were asking me for feedback, and that was really hard, too. To give you feedback, mm-hmm. you know, I was I was shy on that, but uh, you know, we started that little process of being able to actually put some marks in it. And, yeah, and, and for people who don't understand, when you're on the path, and I don't mean this to sound like I said pompous or egotistical, but when you're when you're hooked in with higher power and you're doing everything you're supposed to do, there's a an energy that happens where everything just starts opening up and things happen for a reason. And it's all meant to help you along the way. And you coming into my path exactly at that time, I mean, I'll go on record to the day I die that um, without your support, I, I may have finished this, but I would have been like ready for the nut house because <laughs> um, you, you're you an angel that came into my life at just the right time. There's no doubt about that. Oh, that touches me deeply, man. And, uh, eyes are fogging up with those words. Uh, and it was. It's an honor to have walked along, you know, and you, that, that whole that whole process of watching it go from those manila folders to a second reading and another draft, you know, and you're thinking it's going to be ready, and but you just weren't happy with it yet, you know, mm-hmm. and you knew there was something still missing, and so you swept through again. Well, and we can talk about that a little bit if you want. That's That was the tricky part of, of this whole project. Okay, so it's really a book in two parts. Um, the second part of the book is obviously the entire 12-step process. And I wanted to, um, for as hard a goal as maybe this is to achieve, as best as possible to replicate the process of what it's like to have a, a seasoned sponsor in the program take you personally through yeah. and say, hey, this is what you need to watch out for because this can really burn you and you need to do it this way because it works out better this way and follow directions here closely, newcomer, because you're going to miss this yeah, point. Watch for this pitfall. Yeah, and, exactly. And then the other side of it is to encourage and continue to, to raise oh, totally, them up. Totally. And cheerlead them on and say, hey, man, you're doing great. Keep yeah, going on. Yeah, I know yeah. you want to quit. You're almost done with your four-step. Keep Keep going, yeah. you know, and because uh, that you just can't get that out there. I mean, you'd have to go to a lot of means and search out and find just the right person who might be qualified to be able to do that. And then uh, it'd have to be the right fit. Yeah. <laughs> and then you stick with them. And like we like you said in your podcast with Nick, I was listening to this week. It's all tribal knowledge, right? Yep. There's not any place where you can reference on page 36. OK, this is what it tells you exactly in the ninth step what to watch out for this kind of stuff. And um, as tribal knowledge, I was thinking about that after I listened to the podcast, we could lose it. Civilizations have come and gone. Wisdom has come and gone. Art has come and gone. Um, Knowledge has come and gone. Um, But there's something about the written word that I think um, helps to assure that it can be around for next generations. You know, maybe not permanently, though that too can be destroyed. But it certainly helps. And so as I was saying, it was a two-part deal. Okay, so we got the second part of the book, which is the whole step process. And um, I knew these people who didn't have any experience with the steps wouldn't have any meetings to go to. They wouldn't have any sponsors. So I was going to have to take on that role and make sure that they're safe. Because the worst thing you want to do is cut somebody loose in the 12 steps and say, hey, do your four step by yourself. Good luck. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then they end up blowing their brains out because it's dangerous stuff if it's done haphazardly. All by yourself. Yeah, you open those wounds. And yeah. And so, and then the first part of the book was trying to put those puzzle pieces together. Okay, so why does the average person need to do the 12 steps? And it's so funny in our um, present world, there isn't a person you can encounter. I don't care who you walk up to on a street corner, Joe Blow, ask them what they think about what's going on in the world today. And they'll say, there's some sick ass shit going on out there, no doubt about it. 
and they can't see it in themselves, right? Somehow I'm separate from yeah, it. You know, it's I all live, out there. I live in the fishbowl. I drink the same water. I eat the same food. I hear the same words. But some, and I watch the same TV shows, right? But somehow I'm separated from this process. I'm not affected by it because yeah. that's what the ego does. And so I knew I was going to have to find that hit. Of, okay, so they're not suffering from alcoholism. They're not suffering from addiction or codependency. So what is this person? What are what what are what's the ism? that these people are suffering from. And it was like, I can't believe, I don't even remember the day when it dawned on me just thinking about Bill and the, and the, what an amazing genius. <laughs> and we would not be here without him, period, in the story, and Dr. Bob as well. But Bill putting those pieces together that, you know, underneath our exterior symptoms, <coughs> there's a much deeper malady going on. And that much deeper malady is spiritual in nature. Right? It's not a physical disease. We do suffer from a physical illness. We have genes that make us sick. We are different than other people who, for people who do not understand about alcoholism. I'm a licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, and I can tell you it is a confirmed illness. These people are different in their brain, okay? Just like any other mental illness, they have deficiencies, okay? We don't look at a schizophrenic and say, oh, just get over it, right? But yeah. we do with alcoholics and addicts right. still yeah. to this day in 2019. Because of all that moral shit that's left over from history, right? You're a bad dog. You're a harlot. You shouldn't be doing what you're doing, right? You're having too much fun, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Lack um, of willpower. Yeah, lack of, well, it's the exact opposite. Yeah, for those that's of, what we blame. You know, that'll be said. Why but for the, have the willpower But for the listener stop? who might not understand what I'm saying is that uh, the problem with anti-alcoholics is that they have too much willpower. I mean, have you been able to stop them from drinking so far? Yeah. So who's winning that battle of willpower right yeah. there? Yeah, that will is mighty strong to continue. That ego, using. that's what we got to be broke of, right? So coming up with, um, Bill said, okay, so we got this much deeper malady. It's spiritual in nature. It's not physical. It's not really mental, but there's something wrong with my soul. Now, we immediately think when we hear spiritual sickness because of our training, our conditioning, our programming, as I call it, we think religion, right? Religion, right Church. off the bat. That's all. Well, we all had that as kids, right? Unless Spirit you grew up in a different religion. country. Yep. And then you had your own <laughs> particular brand in that country. And... Um, we start thinking about morals and I need to be a better person. I need to be a, 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 a Samaritan who goes out and helps others, yeah. whatever. No, but we're, what we're talking about is that this world we've created for ourselves as human beings, our structures, our systems and institutions, it works to an extent, right? Okay, we all basically kind of get along. We kind of try to try to separate, or how do I want to say this? For whatever, for good or bad, it works as it is, but it may not be optimum. And what happens with people is as you're going through this world with the systems we have, you get experiences that are negative. You get experiences that are pressure, um, bad, um, affect you and change you. And that's when that concept came to me about the photograph of finding your picture of yourself when you're in a family album back then. Everybody out there listening, you have a photograph somewhere in one of your family albums of a time when you were completely happy, joyous, and free, and you were, you were completely untouched by everything this world has done to you since then. And if you don't know where to look for it, look for it in the eyes. Right. It's not the gesture. It's not the costume you got on. It's not whatever you're doing in the picture. It's in the eyes. You can see that there's a soul inside there. There's a spirit. There's an energy. That's where you were. That's what I call the original self, the original yeah. soul, right? Yep. And after that, everything was added on. We started getting indoctrinated. We started getting taught. We started having to go to school. We had to go to church. We were in certain families. We had traditions. We do it this way, not that way, right? You're a Republican. You're a Democrat. We start getting labels. We start separating. We learn about prejudice. We are black. You're white. All that other crap that a kid doesn't have, particularly around the religious stuff, right? 
I say to my patients, man, go up to a kid who's four or five years old on the playground, ask him what they think about God. You're going to hear nothing but positive stuff. You're not going to hear about sin. You're not going to hear about hell. You're not going unless they've been damaged already, and God forbid, at that young age, right? Yeah, right. You're going to hear nothing but good stuff about a higher power, which is how we all felt. And which cracks me up about so many of our members today who say they can't come into the program because of the God stuff, right? Yeah, right. Yep. Typical, you know, typical thing. Because they've been damaged. They've been hurt by other human beings. And that always astounds me, too, that alcoholics who are so independent <clears throat> would allow themselves to be controlled by their enemies like that. Yeah. These are people we didn't like, people we didn't appreciate what they shared or did to us. And um, today we're still allowing yeah, them to stop me from finding a spirituality that could work for me. Um, so anyway, your soul becomes sick. That's the bottom line on, on spiritual sickness. Your, your original self has been so fed up with all this programming. Faulty programming. Yeah, and how we're supposed to be as human beings. That it just ha- it, It's had enough. And I think that's what we're seeing in our world today is people who've had enough. Um, everybody's angry. Everybody's frustrated. If you go to the mall and watch people, they all have frowns on their face, you know. People in traffic are just cutting each other off and don't give a damn. And everybody's yeah. self-centered and, you know, and, and very cynical about the future. Guarded. Yeah. Everybody's got, got a wall up, you know, that don't mm-hmm. get too close to me. Don't look at me. Don't mm-hmm. smile. Don't smile at me. Well, they expect a fist. Yeah. You know, I, I can always see that look in, in people's eyes when there's a little mistake made. Somebody bumps into somebody else in the airport or somebody cuts somebody off in their car. And then there's this moment where you could tell the person's expecting a fight first. Yeah, right. A yeah. curse word, right? Yeah. That's going to be the first thing they're expecting. Then they're yeah. going to jump right yeah. in, too. Yeah, the defenses just fly right up. Yeah. And so, guys out there listening, that means that's your that's your sickness. That's the stuff inside of you that is built up to the point that you're so filled up. Your trash can, as we talk about, is so filled up that you can't take it anymore. One more piece sends you over the edge. Yep. And and I have that theory about mass shooters, too. I know I'm on tricky ground here, but I'll go there. Um, I believe with all my heart that if they had just done a fourth and fifth step, they wouldn't. those people would still be alive. Because what happens after the fact? We always find out there's some sort of list they made out of all their beefs, yeah, some right. manifesto yeah, they they've left behind that, oh, this is what I, this is how the world has harmed me. And, yeah. well, dude, that's a yeah. four step yeah, right there. Two. If you had just done your columns and talked to your sponsor, maybe you wouldn't have picked up a gun. Yeah. yeah so it's a long winded way of saying it. To keep it simple, is that um, you're, whoever you were at birth has been changed. And there is a way with this program to clear away that wreckage, to clear away that damage, um, taking out the trash, as we call it, right? And when you do, that's when people end up happy, joyous, and free. They're not carrying that stuff, that energy, that um, what was done to me when I was 11, what was done to me when I was 6, what that one guy said in church one time, what my parents tried to teach me. And we're still carrying all that yep. stuff. Some peer, some older peer you know mm-hmm. tons of just different directions where you get this programming in you that uh that sticks you know you carry it i can think of things you know i'm sitting in the same neighborhood i grew up in yeah and when you're saying that kind of stuff i, can I was flash. worried about that when i drove down the street i was like geez you know dan's living living here his whole life yeah since i was three years old and uh-huh. uh, yeah so it's uh you know I, obviously i moved away for a little while in the middle of my adulthood but mm-hmm. i've spent here but my what, what i would say was my mind flashed back to like the basketball court down the street mm-hmm. and having friends uh when my dad would whistle for me to come home mm-hmm. and having my friends talk me into staying and playing longer when i knew i was going to get in trouble but i couldn't 
you know, I couldn't speak my truth even at that point and say, mm-hmm. no, guys, I have to go home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so then I, you'd end up, I just can flash into that programming and the different things that, that hit me growing up that, that you know, and that in itself is not a big deal, right? But it's just one more thing in the trash can that started, you know, getting in there. It and, all adds up. It all adds it up. It all adds up. And you said a very interesting word there, my truth. What the hell is my truth anymore? Yeah. I mean, if I'm a Calvin Klein wearing, Coca-Cola drinking, McDonald's eating, Ford driving, Republican voting. I mean, all these labels. Who am I? Yeah. What is my real truth underneath all this garbage that doesn't even exist? If you go to a halfway around the world, none of the garbage we're accepting as, as absolute stone truth here in America even exists yeah. in their culture, right? right? Right, yep. I always say that to my patients, you know, have you ever been considered if you were born on a tropical island in some sort of tribe and all you did all day was kick a soccer ball on the beach and surf and catch fish and and be with your family and never knew alcohol or drugs your entire life would be completely different yeah and we don't have any choice over that we don't have the choice of how who what family we're born into what city we're born into what country we're born into and so we're sort of just thrust out there and say here you go (laughs) and you better learn the way we do it if you're gonna fit in you better learn the way we do it here in indiana or kentucky or wherever the hell you might be it's kind of like beam down you know and there you land and now where i where do i go from here fit in or be outcast yeah and as a kid obviously we're all i mean that's that's a plague among our kids nowadays with the uh social media and how they have to take 200 pictures of themselves and photoshop it to death to make sure they're presenting this perfect image of themselves out there speaking of which i have this theory that if we don't get busy with this crap i think we're going to lose what it means to be a human being i think we're going to lose our soul if we don't change big time you know we're at a we're at a, a and it, how do I want to say this? The technological revolution has been happening in a while now, but now it's taking on proportions. Cameras everywhere, right? They're going to watch yeah. your every flip and move. So if God forbid if you make a mistake or fart or do anything like a human being normally does, it's going to be all over in the news because right. the congressman's yeah. not surveil- supposed to be that way. Surveillance is everywhere. I mean, it's even you go to somebody's house and you don't know that you're being taped. You know, you they've got cameras in their everywhere. house and they're saying, you know, you go up and ring somebody's doorbell. You go anywhere and you're you're potentially being on being caught on tape. Well, they have these new satellites now that they're launching like at a crazy pace that can pinpoint down to the size of an ant. And there's so many of them now because they're cheaper, right? I saw a story about that the other day. But my biggest concern is that the technology is starting to incorporate into who we are. People, they're going to incorporate technology into their body. The first time Apple comes out with an app that says, oh, you can put your iPhone into your hand or a little speaker camera into your shoulder. And suddenly, what are we going to turn into cyborg Terminator creatures? And what does that mean for our humanness? Because, you know, I, I... I think public spaces are the best place to see the quality of human nature today compared to like the 40s. All right. So if you go to the airport in the 1940s, you know, people are kind of dressed decent, you know, because they care about, you know, at least, you know, try to take care of themselves and stuff and look good. And they are polite, you know, please, thank you, excuse me, things like that. And go to the airport today and just sit there and watch people go from terminal to terminal and they're dead. It's like watching an episode of The Walking Dead. Nobody is in the eyes. They're completely emotionally unavailable. Just a little robot, get in your seat, CA, and, you know, close your window and get your seat back up and get your seatbelt on. And it's, what are we doing to ourselves? 
what are we doing of ourselves as creatures, as animals, which is what we are. We're animals, right? Our ego wants to separate us and say, oh, well, somehow I'm different than my dog or my cat. No, you're not. We are conditioned animals. If it feels good, we do it. If it feels really good, we do it a lot. <laughs> and then we develop a habit, which is hard to break. <laughs> and um, it's all about reward. It's all about... Um, That's what this book is about. This book is about, can we change? Can we, our only solution is going to come from the spiritual realm now. And unfortunately, everybody's thinking church when I say that. Right. And we've got to stop pointing the finger at other people and saying that it's their fault. We have to start pointing the finger at ourselves and looking in the mirror. I'm, the, I'm as sick as anybody else. I don't even know how sick I am until I do my step work, right? Right. How many guys exactly. do we have during their fifth step that all of a sudden they have that moment? Bing. Right? Where they realize, oh, my God, I've been asleep at the wheel of my life for all these decades. Yeah. What have I done? How could I possibly have not seen this? And when you clear away that wreckage, um, you get to a place where you can start over. And I don't even know of any other program in, or methodology or techniques or anything that's, that's out there. I mean, you know, there's disciplines, right? Like you do yoga sure, and things like yep. that. There's faith uh, followings you can do. But something that completely revolutionizes, uh, transforms and revolutionizes you from the inside out. Yeah. So that you come out completely different on the other end, or what I like to say, your true self, getting back to that truth word. Yeah, and the mechanics of the tools, the solid concrete methods to do it, rather than, you know, just like, uh, and some, some stuff is just wishing it away, mm -hmm. you know, just wishing these things away. Uh, we actually have a way, you know, these tools give you a, a way to compartmentalize and, and, and put these things in their individual places to see. And like a, like a, like a, like a mean dog, I get to like pet them down and say, okay, and train them into being not, you know, now they're okay. Yeah, right. And put them all in their in their in in a versus. In a, I'm working uh, with a sponsee right now who's got some parents who are in their 70s, and he's so frustrated that they've not changed at all their entire life. Yeah. They're still repeating the same patterns they were repeating when he was being raised by them, right? Yeah. And I said, you know, well, what can you expect? I mean, they're an older generation. They're probably never going to do this spiritual work to to seek out another path. And that was one of my motivations when I got sober. I was. After two treatment centers and a halfway house, and I decided to try it one more time, and I was, it was when I finally started to do it for myself, I remember having this thought of, of I'm not going to go down like the rest of them. You know, I'm going to separate myself from this pack of sickness that has been in my family lineage since who knows how long. I've not done my ancestry to see how many alcoholics, but I know one of my sponsors has. He's a very wealthy man, and he did his ancestry, and he found that 65% of his family died from this disease and of course nobody talked about it while he was growing up right right kind of yeah. important information if yeah. your family had cancer they'd be yeah, right yeah it. you check that box at the doctor's office when you go in for the new paperwork <laughs> and stuff and and actually i think it actually beginning to start being a box that you checked now but it hasn't been long mm -hmm. that that they start asking you about chemical dependency histories in your family but can i break free from that or am i cursed by the teachings and programming that they had and in, in my book i talk a lot about the empathy I have for my parents and then for my grandparents and then for my great-grandparents because you have to think about the timing, man. Even Bill Wilson writing the big book in the 30s, it was a completely backwards time. There's no internet, right? There's no television shows talking about self-help stuff. There's no books on it. There's no, there's no Oprah. Hello, there's no Oprah, <laughs> you know? There's nothing for them, right? And you go back to your great-grandparents, it was all about just staying alive. 
We didn't have time for self-awareness. We didn't have time for spiritual yeah. development. Well, you got to go out and dig the freaking trenches and plant the potatoes and get ready to feed yourself because you're going to die if you don't. Yeah, because there's no Kroger's and there's no, yeah. you know. You have to go out and hunt, get your food, and keep the land going, whatever you're doing. Survival, right? But that's what I'm saying. I think we're squandering this time. We're in the year 2019. We have the internet at our, think about that tool. Yeah. Right, I at my fingertips in my house in my pajamas. I can go anywhere in the world and learn anything. Yeah, and what do we do? We look up YouTube videos on yeah. cats, yeah. and uh, as I like to say, people kicking each other in the nuts and things like that, just yeah. goofy stuff, which is fine. Yeah. That's part of the human element too, is to let that side of yourself sure, out. Yeah. But how about a video on meditation, or how about a video on personal development? I'll tell you an interesting story, story that happened yesterday. Um, my boss lives in the East End of Louisville, and it's, it's very she-she. And there's these neighbors down the street, and every time he goes past there, they have a different supercar. And I'm talking like super, supercar in their driveway. Yesterday, it was a, I didn't even know there was such a thing. It was like a, a Rolls-Royce SUV. I was like, what the hell is that? What, why? Why is that even a thing? And um, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, and then they have their... Um, uh, decals on the side for their company, right? And it's this keto thing, right? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I get it. They're making a lot of money. They're promoting their business. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not trying to judge on that. But it occurred to me, okay, they're making all that money because it's all about the exterior, right? Everybody's going to get in shape and look good. So I'm sexy and I get laid and you know, and that's all that matters. Yep. Why aren't we spending money on interior development? Why don't we spend resources on improving my soul, which is all you get to take from this planet, by the way. That little corpse you're going to leave behind that's in perfect shape <laughs> ain't going to matter. It really not going to yeah, matter. Right. I mean, health is important, right? Sure, sure. Being in great health is very important, right? But as far as being like perfect looking, like some sort of model on an ad. Um, there's been those three sides we've talked about for a long time. That mind, yeah. body, spirit stuff is yeah. old language, old concepts, you know. And and you're right, you know, we spend a lot of money on the body, but but and, you, and we would say we can't afford to. Some people would say they can't afford the time to do the other Hell, thing. Hell, some people are going to say they can't excuses. afford this book, right? Right. Yeah, they are. Thirty nine ninety five. And I always say to my dope friends, how much you spent on dope yeah. last night or the night before? Yeah, I mean that's not way that's, beyond that. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's an hour worth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or an alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the goal, ultimately, and I know you've um, probably been talking about this, is um, this thing, TSSR, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery. The, we're going to start meetings, and it's going to be a, a total grassroots movement. The idea is to uh, replicate the AA experience. I mean, if these guys could do it back in the 30s, um, I absolutely believe that with cell phones and technology and Internet, we could absolutely do it today. Yeah. Um, and the idea being that anybody and everybody can come to these meetings to learn what the hell we're talking about in case what, most of what we're saying is like, I don't know what that guy's talking about, which I've had people say after when I'm speaking at meetings, well, I don't know what the hell that guy's talking about. If you're hungry, if you're hurting, if you're tired of this sick-ass world, if you're tired of watching your television set and throwing things at it and saying, I can't believe what's going wrong, why, yeah. why, why, come here, we can help you. You can free yourself. You don't have to go down with the ship. And that's what you have to do. You've got to look at you, clean yourself out first, and only when you become well can you then go about healing others in the world and healing the world. Yeah, 
uh, a lot of the a lot of things in the book and and, it's, and, and there is a lot in it one of the things says uh, to some to some effect of i can change me i that's where i can do you all know i, I look right at all now. this stuff out there and there's really nothing i can do about this mm-hmm. i'm not going to change what's going on Which in is the funny, white house right, i'm not going to go say, what's Dan, we enter we um we get so caught up with our energies all day long about washington and what they're doing what's going what on everywhere leaders, else and what can you do about it what are you going to do about today yeah so I look but at I all can't that. go to my meeting and work on my four-step and put that guy on my four-step, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> well, we'll sit and watch that box on the wall and get all wound up about mm-hmm. what's going on all over the entire world or looking in your computer or the other book says Deliberate Manufacturer of Misery where I'm actually, you know, I'm on the hunt for the crappy stuff that's going on in the world. Oh, I am yeah. feeding myself for that. I'm out looking hunting for it, it, mining it. And, all those... and then once I find it, mm-hmm. then I must share it with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you. And, and it's viral. And, you know, then I'm on Facebook. Did you hear? I will share this article because the world needs to know about this. I love the link headlines. I always step back and I look at what are they using in that headline to try and get me to press that button. Yeah. And it's fear, right? right. It's, it's, it's prejudice. It's anger. It's outrage. Oh, especially outrage. Yeah. Like, I can't believe somebody did that. Click. Yeah, I want right. to read what they did. Yeah, Joe Rogan talks about the outrage culture going on. That it's like a recreation. It's a recreation now that. is the outrage culture to be just like, oh, well, look at this, you know, and then share it and, and try to get everybody fevered pitched in with you. You know, the, the Internet mob mentality. So that, our approach in TSSR is um, I'm sick. And I'm tired of being sick. I'm tired of being part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. I want out. I want an exit door out of this madness. And we who are in this program of 12 Steps have found a way to live within this sort of fourth dimension of existence where for most days, you know, we have human experiences. We have good days, bad days, but we're pretty much untouched by the crap of this world. Would you agree with that? I agree, yeah. In other words, like people will look at us and say, what are you so damn happy about? Yeah, I get it all the time. What are all you smiling about? Mm-hmm. Especially at work. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I work along at work and I got a smile on my face, you know, and people go, what are you, what are you smiling about? I hardly know that I am really, you know. I, well, uh, I don't really know. I'm happy. Well, how about this? The bigger question is, why are you not smiling? Yeah, exactly. How about this? My heart's beating. Yeah, lots of things. To you know what? About. I could take a clean breath today. Quit smoking. You know. Hey, you know, I have food to eat at home. I, I had a place to lay my head last night on a pillow where I was warm and protected. Not everybody has that, right? Yeah. Not Why aren't you happy? Not to mention my conscious is clean like, and I'll I'll be in traffic. Well. I'll, I like to watch people go by when I'm at a stoplight. I'll watch the drivers go by. And, and every single one has a scowl on their face. And some of them are driving some nice rides, right? And I'm like, man, if you're driving that nice a ride, why are you frowning? Yeah. If he was, well, if probably because they're in debt, right? Because they bought it and they can't afford it. You can understand if it's sputtering <laughs> and spurting and smoke was coming out the back. You can see the, understand the look on the face. But, man, I'm in a, I'm in a brand new SUV. And you can, you can physically see the tightness in the fists on the steering wheels and, mm-hmm. the, and like, the, the tension in the faces and the jaws yeah. of folks as they just move All right, around. So that's another example I use in the book. And that I try to use examples that people can, you know, picture it and get it. We would never, if you ever saw a junkyard dog and you went to pet it and it tried to bite your arm off <laughs> and you knew that pet had been abused its entire life, right? Right. Nobody would sit around and say, oh, I can't believe that. Yeah. Why is that dog acting that way? That is just unacceptable. No, we'd say, poor little puppy. I totally understand. You've been hurt, right? Yep. You've been hurt. You've been abused. You deserve better. Why don't we feel that way about ourselves? And each other. What we put ourselves through on this planet, I just marvel every day just trying to get by myself as a human being on this damn planet. You know, paying taxes, 
taking care of my health, having to brush your teeth, change the oil in your car. There's a great title of a book that I've always loved. It says, After the Ecstasy, the Laundry. You know, I got to just get by and do my shit. And then I got to deal with the systems and institutions that are trying to program me and get me every turn and say, believe this, think this, do it this way, this way it's correct, you're wrong. Why wouldn't you drink? Why wouldn't you just blow your mind out with chemicals every damn night? Yeah, when just I get to home and sit on the couch, man, I need some relief. Yeah. And there's another way. That's the thing. That's a better way. And that's our thing I like to tell my patients. You know, you got to understand, listeners, I'm in a <laughs> war zone every day of people who are very sick with this illness. And they do not want to hear what I've got to say. I always laugh with, you know, before I even get open my mouth, as soon as I walk in the room. Well, actually, before I even come in the room, they hate me. Right, so they got this pre. Yeah, so who's this guy? Man, I hate this guy. He's authority. He's a counselor. I hate him. And so that's a hard crowd to play to. I'll tell you that straight up. Um, and I try to tell them that um, I totally lost my thought. <laughs> it'll come back to me. <laughs> well, Hang in the, there. It was really good, guys. I promise yeah. it'll come back later. The only thing I've said from the beginning of getting behind these microphones, though, yeah. is that this is real. Yeah. This is not stage stuff. This is not produced. I think, was that this on Nick's not, podcast that I heard the dog barking in the background? Yeah, there's a, my, <laughs> my neighbors have the coon dogs over here. I heard and, uh, and, and I believe the siren, you know, anytime any of that happens, it happened a little while ago. They were going nuts just a little bit ago. And I, I, I think about that. But that's... That's real, you know. We're just regular folks here, you know. Not, not, not superstar paid employees or pushing some kind of product. That's All right, you would thank you. You helped me remember. By the way, that's a tool, guys. If you can't remember what you were saying, change the topic. And the minute you change the topic, your brain will reset on what you wanted to say. Well, I'm really good at changing the topic. So I try <laughs> to tell them, okay. So when you go to a meeting tonight, because you have to go to these meetings, it's part of the required program. Uh, look around the room, and listen. These are guys who are going to tell stories that are either equal to yours or way worse of how bad they were addicted and the things they did. And then you're going to look at them and you're going to see a picture that doesn't correlate with that, right? They're going to be sort of dressed nicer and they look happier and they have kind of peaceful and you're like, well, I'll quite figure that out. Think about it. If they were like you, they're a fellow addict. They had to have something at the end of the day to deal with this damn world and the systems, institutions, and all the programming that's killing me. They had to have something in them at the end of the day, and they don't now. But they say they found something better with a capital B. Yeah. Better. What is that? I mean, I know when I was using dope, I was always looking for the best. Yep. If somebody Absolutely. told me to cross town, they had something that was like, oh, this is like yeah, really the good stuff. I'd be away. over there in a heartbeat, right? Yeah. And yet these people go to meetings and they see these people who have found something way better than, and I'll even say to my heroin addicts, it's better than heroin. And of course they go, oh, no way. Nothing's better than heroin, right? Yeah, no. There's no way these people would be sober. It wasn't better. There's no way they would not be pounding a needle into their arm today if they hadn't found something better with a capital B, 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 exclamation point. Think about that. And that's this. 12 steps, man. For the people who have done it, not just going to meetings. Actually apply the principles. Well, here's the deal, man. If you have cancer and I just go down to James Graham Brown Cancer Center here downtown Louisville and I just watch everybody else take the chemotherapy. Yeah. And then I go back to my doctor and I say, I can't believe that I relapsed. Can you believe that? I have no idea why I relapsed. I get patients in my group every day like that. I said, motherfucker, (laughs) (laughs) did you do the treatment? Did you do what your doctor told you to do? Oh, you're still sick? Duh. Now, where my hospital is, 
we're in the middle of a, of a whole conglomeration of hospitals within that square mile, right? There's like, oh, that's yeah. like Hospital Central in Louisville, yeah. Kentucky. And I said, this is the only room within a mile where this conversation is taking place where a guy's going back to his doctor and saying, I did not tell it. I tell you what you told me to do, and I can't believe I'm still sick. Yeah. <laughs> Which is when I remind him that's why we're in a mental hospital, that you don't understand such things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to go talk to the other patients, and I will get better just from hanging around them. I'll know? just They're go and get my papers treatment. signed. Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? Get my papers signed. That's yeah, what I'm supposed to I'm do. I'm getting my papers signed. <laughs> so this whole thing, you know, we'll see how it goes here, and it's all up to God. But we're going to start this first meeting coming up in a couple of weeks in, in Louisville, TSSR, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery. Anybody can come. You don't have, you know, somebody asked me yesterday, well, are y'all going to work the steps together? No, that's a step study group. We're just going to have a group where people can come ask questions. They're reading the book. They want to know what, what this means. They don't know how to do things. They can get a sponsor, right? They might ask around the room. There might be somebody who's already in recovery who can guide them. And that's really the call. I, w- I want to make sure that we put this out there today. If there's anybody who's listening to this, who wants to get in on the ground floor and do some great service work. You are of value. You have this solution already in your life. Why are we not doing more to take it to the rest of the world and save our world instead of sitting around going, well, that's just the way it is. I got mine and they have to figure it out on their own. I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, Alcoholics Anonymous has had a long history of sharing the program with everybody else. They're the ones that started right, Narcotics yeah, Anonymous. Yeah. How many? They do not charge for the 12 steps. They do not copyright the 12 steps. Nobody owns the 12 steps. Bill Wilson thought it was from God. He just said, we don't own the 12 steps. Everybody deserves it. And as I say in the book, and I'm sure it's more, there's 54 different fellowships across yeah. this world that use this methodology. From anything you can imagine, they all use it and get the same results. They get happy, joyous, yep. and free, right? Yep. So why aren't we doing this for the rest of the world? Why are we letting Substance our world go down? Why are we letting them suffer? So when I talk about how we're on the cusp of this time where we need to look at really serious change, I, I you're better at this than I am. You don't watch TV. You try to stay out of touch with all that. But here's where I fall on that. I think it's necessary that, that I personally, in my program, keep myself abreast of what's happening in the world and really pay attention to the signs. I think it makes me more effective at what I do. I can understand that. And so, like I read this story the other day on the news feed that said that the UN has now said that because of biodiversity being so damaged because of climate change, which doesn't exist, ha, 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 that the food supply may be in serious threatened within the next 10 to 20 years. Food supply, folks. And I know we hear these stories and everybody goes, oh, okay, well, what's on TV? Or, okay, what's in the refrigerator? I'll give them their beer. How sick are we that we're going to just sit here and hear things like this? We might have catastrophic climate change where we're not able to grow crops and there's going to be droughts. And our kids, well, screw them. You know, I'm a Christian. I don't care about my grand, grandkids. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I don't know. That's insane. Step two, restore me to sanity. How the hell did we get to this place where that kind of shit doesn't get our attention? Yeah. So when I say we had better start doing some freaking work, folks, I'm like trying to say this is real. This isn't something you can put off and say, oh, well, I'll worry about that 20 years from now. Okay, you go to the grocery store. There's no food. The honeybees are gone. There's no freaking fruit. (laughs) We die. Yeah. No honeybees. We die. And we just accept these stories and go, oh, well, I'll just bury my head in the sand and just do what I'm going to do today and get my new iPhone, man. You know, I got my new iPhone. As long as I got my Facebook page. I'm doing good. What are you doing with this technology? This technology could be used to help us spread the word. 
So um, save yourself, guys. That's basically the main message. Um, when you leave this planet, and I have talked with several workers who work for hospice. That's part of my social work background. And um, I'm always amazed at what the human animal goes through towards the end of their life. There's this obvious life review they do. You know, what did I do with my time here? How much of that time did I waste? And certainly as alcoholics and addicts, we know that one, how much time I wasted, right? Yeah, right. Sitting around a couch, drinking, yep. drugging. Um, and then there's, there's the, the regrets for what I didn't accomplish, but a lot of it's the regrets of leaving behind a lot of bad energy, the things I didn't clean up, the things I knew I should have said something. There's, there's, I run into people who's like, they haven't talked to their kids in like 30 years. Right, yeah. Your kids. You haven't talked to your kids in 30 years? Why don't you clean that up before you die? And, of course, when they reach their deathbed, it's too late. Too late. You're laying there with that agony for however long you're going to go through that process of dying. I don't know. It might be months. might be weeks. might be years. My grandfather, poor guy, man, I swear to God, he was very successful, worked for GE, um, well-liked. I mean, he had people from his um, company come to his funeral after he'd been retired for decades, and that really impressed me. That said, man, he made an impression on people that they would actually come to his yeah. funeral. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> had lots of money, very successful, but just miserable as all get out and drank like a fish. And the last five years of his life, he was not the full-blown alcoholic, right? I don't think he had the full genes, but he had the alcoholism to the point where it affected his how long you live, yeah. quality of life kind of deal. And for the last five years of his life, he laid in a bed, basically with Alzheimer's, calling out for the nurse, not knowing where he was or what day it was. And I would go over to visit my grandmother to give her support, and he'd be back to going, nurse, 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 all day long. Put me out of my misery. Yeah. Hey, I'll go out on a limb on that one, too. Don't we take our dogs to the shelter and put them down when it's time for them to go? <laughs> don't we? We do. Because we love our dogs, but we don't love our grandparents. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, I'll do it. I'll challenge it. We're on the mic. Let's do it. Hey, by the way, if anybody ever says anything that gets your damn attention and upsets you, I say one word. You ready for this? Good. You know what that does? It resets you. You cannot hit a bullseye within a person if there's not a bullseye to be hit. And I can't tell you how many means I go to and I speak and people get all upset and they miss the, the freaking message. You're not supposed to just sit there and enjoy this talk and laugh and say, well, that was great and forget all about it. You're yeah. supposed to be challenged, right? Give me something to, that feeds me, something that helps me right. to grow, yeah. something I can take home and chew on. And if somebody upsets you, that's the gold standard. That means something has hit your bullseye so deep inside that you need to run, not walk to your sponsor right. and say, what the hell is this all about? Make me do my inventory work so I can find out what I'm supposed to learn from this. Yeah, when your core gets rocked. Because it's not about the speaker. I don't even know you. I'm a stranger, right? And somehow I said something from my experience that yeah. made you go, oh, you shouldn't say that. Yeah. I've and heard more than a couple of times of people going, uh, that damn dude in that one meeting. Oh, uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've gotten that myself. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that, that thing is oh, like, that guy, the guy with the hair. Yeah, that guy. Uh, yeah, uh, thing about that me, counselor dude. Oh, yeah, we know about him. They don't know that you're my sponsor <laughs> when they tell me that stuff, you know. And uh, I'll sit there and say, yeah, uh, yeah, that's my sponsor. And then you can hear him. Oh, truth. Human beings don't like truth. You ready for this one? We put to death the people that tell us the truth. Our spiritual leaders, the ones we look at as our masters, we put them to death. They tell us the truth. We don't want to hear it. Yep. So, what do you want to talk about now? <laughs> well, you know, what we did do, 
was beat around a lot on all the reasons why we want to do this because Dan's of got a sides. juice sign for those of you at home who can't see it. It says "Got Juice." Got Juice. What does that mean, Dan? Well, that means I have juice in my life. I have been <laughs> freed from uh, many of these uh, afflictions you talked about, which I certainly struggle, you know, struggled with for most of my entire life, you know, and and I didn't know that, you know, I was like you said, like the people you said the other day, uh, that that you, I was different. You know, yeah, you yeah, had a problem, boy. you had a problem, you, you had a problem. Mm-hmm. But I was managing this thing, and I was okay, and I'll show you proof of that. I've had a, held a job for a long, long time. I've got a nice house. I've got two cars in a garage. I've got two kid kids. My parents are still married. Uh, you know, all the and different things the physical, I could point right? to in the physical things that showed you that I didn't have a problem because all that stuff was around and let me, me add to that. Pause for a second. And you understand I'm smarter than you guys. I've been through much, much more than you guys have been through, man. You just you knew what happened to me in the past, then you truly understand. I am on it. I'm just, I cannot relate. You guys got to understand. I'm totally different than you guys. Yeah. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but it finally ended up, you know, like so many of these things. And that's where I wonder about how uh, the problem, the, the, actually the, the blessing that was bestowed on me was that bottom. Was yeah. that coming to a wall where I slapped it Break hard down. enough to get my attention similar to the, what you were saying a minute ago? Same kind of effect as when you rock somebody with your speech and you say something to them and they have to like stop and think about That's that for a minute. That's your angel, man. He you just know, got your attention. Right. So when I whacked that wall, then I was able to have that moment of clarity we talked to uh, talk mm-hmm. about. And I said, be open to some change and be looking and going, looking at myself. Just like that paragraph I just read a minute ago, and when we opened about something is freaking wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know what it is, but, but I have to start doing something about it it mm-hmm. um and i did you know so i got to got to uh to you know in the last we were talking a little bit ago and i don't know if it was on the tape or not i don't think it was about the miracle list i carry around there's a podcast that talks that i, that I recorded having to do with that you know and today sitting here around this book and having a pile of them we got four of them sitting on the table and talking about the beginning of this movement is another piece of my miracle you know being able to put these podcasts out is actually the podcasts are not uh, on my list yet now that i think about it uh, that needs to be added to the list Absolutely. because in the past four years I've had so many miracles happen that when if I actually when I get them out and I put them on the table and show them to you and you don't know me, you think I'm full of shit. So let me use your example for the listener, Dan, because you know I've been kind of going off and I do that and I know I'm hard to understand. So let me make it really simple for you guys. I met this guy four years ago, and um, it was a mercy mission. It was not my choice to sponsor him. Again, being connected with higher power when he opened up that night in that room that he talks about in the miracle story. Um, there was a voice in my head that said, help this man. I mean, literally, it was loud. It was like, throw him a lifeline. Help this man. And I made a beeline for you, you did. and said, I'm going to sponsor you. <laughs> I just it, it was like you were drowning. That's what I heard that night. Literally going under for the last time. And you really never to be. You never really paid a lot of attention to me other times. I was trying to get your attention, but mm-hmm. I couldn't really get your attention. Well, and then you after that, me your yeah, truth because yet. I wouldn't. I wasn't. I wasn't you were able. I didn't make myself truth. open to the help yet. You, you were know, dancing that, that, around your truth. The day when I laid boy, my cards out, out on the there table. that night, you were like, "Okay, here's what's going on." Yeah. And then boom, there you were. There's the help. It's always the same way with God. Yeah, right. Yep. Right. We dance around this. God doesn't exist. My ego this. My self-will that. You know, but until you get broke down, you really need it. (laughs) Bill says that in the big book. It's a very interesting line. You know, we find that God is there um, when we really need him or something like that. Yeah. 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 I don't know why it's like that. It just seems to be that way. So I don't know if you want to or not, but uh, I think it would be good to like at least touch. Let me finish my point, though. So I met this guy four years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> me. Let's talk about me. That's, That's a good topic. The guy with the God Juice shirt on. And um, <clears throat> if you don't believe this stuff works, he didn't. 
And he no, was look, give me that doggy don't understand look all the time. I talk about that in my book where the do- if you have a dog at home, if you make a funny noise and go or something like that, your yeah. dog will look at you like what? Tilts that head. He'll, and... Yeah, he'll cock his head and say, what are you doing? And um, the absolute miracle of change and transformation in your life over four years, nobody can put into words, even all the people in our group. It's not you. Well, you have not... a very good humility and it's not an ego say, hey, look what I did. The power of this program that God could reach through to a guy who was um, lost, completely lost, no sense of what works, no sense of his center, no sense of his truth. To become a guy today that is finding him. I mean, if I had told this this man in front of me that four years ago on his first night, hey, guess what? You're going to take yoga training to be a yoga instructor one day. And you would have looked at me like, you got to be, I'm out of here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because we are afraid of our truth. That's not me. That's not the real me. Oh, God forbid. That's not the, is that what a man does? Oh, no, a man doesn't do yoga. Yeah. What? There have been all kinds of reasons why that wasn't I love that scene, um, Fight Club, awesome stuff, um, where they get on the bus, and they and, and, and uh, Edward Norton looks up at the ad for the Calvin Klein, and all it shows is a man's perfect torso with his little undies on there. And he says to uh, Brad Pitt, so that's what a man's supposed to look like? That's what we're talking about, folks, this programming they put into us, which our parents, by the way, and grandparents did not have at all. I talk about that in the book a lot about, you know, the advertising back in the day. And my dad was an advertising man, so I was on the ground floor. I mean, he was on the crew that came up with Tony the Tiger and Charlie the Tuna Fish and the Pillsbury Doughboy and the Marlboro Man. I mean, he worked for Leo Burnett in Chicago, number three advertising agency in the country at the time. And... um, it used to be back in the day, they would just say, well, we have the lowest prices or we've got the best product and all that stuff. They didn't try to get into your psyche. Yeah. They didn't try to get into, oh, how does this product reflect me? Is this me? Is this an expression of my personality? Um, you need this because this will complete you as a person, not because it's a good product. We didn't have any of that till 60s, 70s, which the time we all grew up in. And our kids today are getting bombarded left and right. They don't even know who they are. I feel really Come sorry for them. Media explosion, the TV explosion. And what are we seeing? Uh, um, uh, epidemics of anxiety. Yeah, everybody's got anxiety. Teenage suicide, which is so sad that we're not doing enough for our kids that they're killing themselves. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Or they're going in and shooting each other. What are we, why are we not teaching them spiritual tools? And what's really cool is when we get somebody in the program who's like, you know what? I am not going to let my kid get ruined by this world. I'm going to teach him meditation from age four. This is quiet time. Sit down with me. Learn how to reflect. Learn how to take time to unplug. Turn off your damn phone yeah. every now and then. You don't need to be so plugged in. That's the system. That's the BuzzFeed. That's the matrix, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So where did you want to go? I just had to put that. Because, guys, you got to understand, this guy is a miracle sitting across me over here. These tools work. So that's where I was wanting to talk about with some of the, the actual tools so that, yeah. you know, we've got these things going on. We know we got this sickness. Uh, I've been mm-hmm. convinced of that. I know I, that's one of my ways I convey it. That uh, usually uh, I actually had a guy the other day that kind of caught me in my caught me on my heels a little bit when I can tell this story to people and I say you, you do believe you have a soul or a spirit right because I'm trying to break that religion thing and get mm-hmm. away from that when I'm trying to tell them about this work or if you just want to use it like core energy of who and what you are yeah, so mean, th- that's what this guy we all hear this day. voice in our head that talks to us right yeah what is that right. or consciousness yeah 
right? We have that over animals. We have this consciousness of able to see things. I saw, I read this thing yesterday that what separates us, a French psychologist, somebody nailed it, said it's symbology, that we associate meaning with things and connect those meanings that animals can't do on that level, yeah, right? Yeah, right. So that yeah. teddy bear you have sitting over there, you have a lot of memories with that teddy bear, right? Yeah. And you're able to, that's a symbology for right. you. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this guy said, no, I don't believe I have a solar spirit. And that was the first time somebody actually gave me that answer. I was a little bit rocked back. I was like, you know, because everybody so far, everybody that I have posed that question to would agree that they have some kind of spirit, some kind of soul inside of him. And so he argued with me for a few minutes, you know, not really argument, you know, we just bantered back and forth because I was a little bit stopped. And he said, but I do believe I have an essence. I said, okay, we will go with that. <laughs> Words. Uh, yeah, Words. We don't, yeah, it's funny how like, you know, the, that's another great line in the book is don't let the words that you hear prejudice you. Yeah. Uh, that these, these, these don't, you know, don't get wound up in these order that we put these characters, these funny shaped characters. Words are so powerful. We go to war over words yeah. and labels and things. And it's stupid, right? It doesn't even really matter. As Shakespeare said, a rose by any other name, right? It doesn't matter what you call it. It still is what it is. Yeah. Um, so where I was going with was like, how do we get free? What are these, how do these tools work? Cause I think that people who are going to listen to this today are going to want to know that, you know, we've mm -hmm. kind of talked about all the, uh, and, and, and I've already got this from a few different angles was the doom and gloom angle, you know, that all this doom and gloom is laying out there, you know, so, okay, I can accept that, but now what do I do? Right. And then we know, you know, me and you and the people in this room know these tools work. You know, but to some extent, I want these people that are listening to us today, that because they're going to tune into this later on tonight and other times in this this these recordings and these podcasts. And I know that's part of the reason why I'm doing this. You know, I didn't know why I was doing those nicotine quitting videos a couple yeah. of years ago when I started down that path. I you thought know? you were just having fun. Myself. I was. It really was. I was just having fun, <laughs> and I really they really were fun. You it know? was trading. There's 150 is what it was. YouTube videos out there that I that <laughs> centered insane. around my that's around insane. my uh, Dan the Man DTM Enterprises yeah, yeah. all over the internet. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, doggone hunt. Now known as Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. You know, you got to keep up with him. He's always got a different name. So I was putting those videos out, you know, and then, then we got around to talking about this podcast. And and so now I can see, like I said, I've got some vision today a little bit. And I, and I don't overthink well, it I too bad, but I see us coming to this podcast that, you know, this is another like, tool how do you to allow do to spread this word how do you out do to this the universe. Stuff? Where do so I that's get what started? we're doing starting today. Yeah, I, I think I hear the question you're saying is, okay, we talked about the doom and gloom and about why we're doing all this, but... <sighs> We had a great friend of ours in the program named Father Martin. He's no longer with us. And um, he has this line that, how do I, how can I get well if I don't first admit I'm sick? Now, how do I know I'm sick? Go back to that picture of yourself. Imagine that four or five-year-old kid was here today. Imagine he's standing in the room in front of you. Imagine he's looking at you and watching you and throughout your day. You go to your workplace. You have your relationships, interactions with your kids and your family. Which, by the way, your little kid is on the cover of this book. Yeah, that's my little dude right there. That's a cut-off version on the website. I've got the full picture of me and my little little shorties shorts and my little my little kid yeah. little bust brown shoes and whatever that one word yeah and if when you turn the page you'll see that that's what's explained here is that that's the picture pre-programming yeah yeah um but if your kid was watching you and how you interact in traffic and with your fellows and what you eat <laughs> and how you take care of yourself how you self-talk to yourself would they even like what they see or would they say what the hell has happened to you what's happened to us What's changed? And that's the question mark to begin on. How am I different than where I started out? And do I like the changes? 
you don't have to accept them. You don't have to go down with the ship and say, well, that's just the way it is. And uh, a lot of people in my therapy group, and this is common for any therapy group, like to say, you know, well, I'm over all that stuff. I did. I dealt with that a long yeah, time ago. Right. You know, I nothing makes me laugh more in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous than when a guy says, "I'm over my dad issues." I'm like, yeah. "No, you're not." Yeah, no, you're that not. doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> no, you're not. Even if you've done the work, you are you are free. And um, but there's these things called core wounds, and for every man, their dad is a central figure in their life. And so it's never entirely gone. Um, would they like what they see? Or would they say, what, we need to change. You need to look at this, something's wrong. Um, and the first step says, you know, can you fix this by yourself? Or as you know, the Russell Brand version says, you know, are you fucked? And step two and three, can you unfuck yourself, basically? Yeah. Um, Meaning that I'm sick and I don't know what to do. I know there's something wrong inside. I don't even know where to begin to try and change my ways. Um, look at your behaviors, right? I still have crazy ass behaviors that every day I watch myself in my program. I'm like, well, you don't just get like healed from all that stuff, right? right? That's the cool thing about sobriety. We don't have like gurus that are like above being yeah. human. Aww. You do have to occasionally take a crap every now and then and fail and do stupid stuff. And that's what we do, right? So I'll go to the grocery store, right? And I'll say, okay, do not buy crappy food. Do not buy crappy food. You do not need to take that home. If it's home, you're going to eat it, and you don't need that. That's not good for you. And I look at my shopping cart when I get to the checkout, and I'm like, what the hell? Why, why is that in your shopping cart? That little bag of chips. I said I wasn't going to do this again. Yeah. There's your sickness. Habit. Why am I doing this over and over? You're, you're looking at your cigarette and saying, I know this is killing me. I said that to my patients the other day, and I try really hard not to harp on that, except to spark the light of one person in there who might be like, I'm ready to quit, right? Maybe save their life. Because if I hadn't quit in my first year of sobriety, I'd be dead today. Yeah, right. I have three medical conditions that, for a fact, nicotine would have, um, the effects of smoking would have killed me yeah. today. But I'll say to them, while you're out there on break and smoking your cigarette out there on the, on the deck outside, look at that thing, and you know it's killing you, right? Why are you smoking it? Why are you doing that? What got in your head to program you to tell you that that was a good thing or that that's cool? Same thing with drinking, right? You know, anybody that has their first drink and says, I liked it from the beginning, I'm always like, I don't know, dude. Yeah, I don't buy that either. Everybody I know says, that tastes like crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That beer tastes like piss and that whiskey burns. And even that smoke the first time when you cough Absolutely your guts not. out nope. and you're like, what the hell? Your body's telling you that doesn't belong in yeah. there. So then you start training yourself. Well, this is what we do through practice. Yeah. And all of a sudden, then it begins to taste good. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a guy the other day just talking about uh, enjoying his nicotine. You know, <laughs> I enjoy my nicotine. I just accepted that. I'm like, well, okay. Do you enjoy getting up every morning and coughing your guts out? Yeah. Enjoy Do you enjoy being short-winded when you time. try and run up the stairs? Do you enjoy it affecting your sex life? Maybe if you're an old guy and your uh, circulatory system is constricted because that's what smoking does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm willing to sacrifice all that. <laughs> I get it. I'm an addict. I totally yeah, get it. Right. <laughs> but again, how much of that is me or how much of that is my programming is that false self, right? As, as an addict or an alcoholic, we have this dual identity. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde is what Bill called it. Um, for you modern kids, I just like to call it Professor Clump and Buddy Love from the movie The Nutty Professor. Two totally different personalities, right? Well, which one's the real you? Which one would, you, would your kid agree with, right? That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Would your right. kid agree with that smoking? I doubt it. Yeah, no. Try to give a kid a yeah, cigarette. Right. Try to give a five-year-old kid a cigarette and have yeah. them say, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Why do you guys even do that? Yeah, that's well, what but I do that because something changed. 
something inside of me was taught yeah. to me, mirrored for me, role modeled for me, and suddenly I'm now incorporated that into my personality. And I say that's me, just like that guy who says I like it. Yeah, that's me. That's my identity. Yeah. Is it really it's that attachment to self? And you will not know whether it's your real identity or not until you do inventory, which is step four. You got to get in there and really dig in deep to find out the roots of this programming and who gave me these messages, right? Who was the one that put this? programming inside of me mom dad the preacher yeah. the teacher whoever yeah. it was that yeah. did that get in there and dissect the computer the so the first step is admitting that i've got this illness and then the second step says basically can you fix yourself and the example i use in the book is like a guy who has uh, a heart surgeon <laughs> if you were walking down the street and you saw a heart surgeon laying on the sidewalk trying to cut himself open to operate on himself with a heart surgeon you'd say what a freaking idiot dude what are you doing there and yet every single person out there i need right emergency now, heart surgery <laughs> <laughs> Every single human being out there right now who's listening, you know somebody or you yourself are doing this. You're working on your own problems. Yeah. Yeah. I got this. I don't need therapy. Huge, I don't need a teacher. I don't need a guide. I, I can fix that. myself. I'm working on me. Because, you know, what I used to tell myself is because I know myself better than anybody else is ever going to know me. I don't trust a therapist to really know me, so I, I can fix myself. Yeah. And then the third step says, would you be willing to do our program to try and get better? A lot of people get hung up on that word. You know, it's the 30s. <laughs> I think it's important that we look at the time of when Bill wrote all that. They're, they were Judeo-Christian, ethic-based people. Um, they knew what they knew. Again, no internet, no Oprah, no New Age thought, no none of that stuff, right? Even Emmett Fox was radical in his time. And right. that they had him, yeah. but even that was stretching the boundaries. Um, he was pretty... It's traditionally based too if you read his teachings um the third step says you know turn your life and will over what we say in the program is will you give me a little bit of rope as your sponsor and let me take you through this process would you would you start writing an inventory because the first three steps is just a decision you got to make you make up your mind that you're going to give this a fair try a i think i got this problem <laughs> i don't know how to define it don't know what it is but i know something's wrong B, I cannot fix this. I've been trying for 50, 40, 30 years, however old you are. I've been trying. Nothing's changed. I'm still repeating those old patterns, putting the chips in the shopping cart, ended up at the freaking checkout and saying, yeah. why, 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 why am I doing this? Again. Still smoking, whatever the deal is. And then, um, okay, I'm going to give this a fair try. Let me dig out a pad of paper and follow the directions and, and do everything they tell me to do. And that's when the miracle happens, right? In our program... <laughs> It's a long tradition of people fearing the fourth step or being overwhelmed by the fourth step. The fourth step is actually the most amazing, wonderful step in the entire program because you get to find out your truth. Right. It's the search it for is, the truth. What happened to me? How did I become this? How did I end up on this path? How did I'm, I get here? I'm way off path with what I wanted to accomplish in my life. I'm working for some corporation in the cubicle every day. You told me about cubicle city yesterday. I'm dying underneath this fluorescent light. How did I end up here? What's I've got to make some very serious major decisions to change. Otherwise, I'm going to be too late, and I won't be able to change. Yeah, like you said, the 70-year-olds or whatever. I have it is so many people in my group who work for a major, uh, major, major corporation in our town that I won't state the name, and they hate it. The environment is toxic. They, talk, talk, they call it hell, and they talk about selling out their souls just to get that pension. And they'll work there for 30 years just to get that pension. Yeah. Why? This is your one and only mortal existence on this planet. It goes by pretty fast. I'll be 57 this year. I'm, I can't even believe that myself. It goes by fast. Why am I not taking the time to reevaluate? And that's what the four-step does for you. You get the chance to see it all on paper. Do I want to continue to walk this path? Do I want to continue to carry this stuff in my can? Or do I want to dump it in five and move on and 
begin a whole new path for myself and start to accomplish the goals of what I want to do with my life. Yeah, I really like that garbage can analogy. I was uh, s- talking about it this morning that uh, you know we were walking along with this backpack of this garbage can with backpack Strapped straps back. on it, you know, and right I've got there, it man. and I'm walking and everything I bump into, everything that's bad, ever happened to you, folks, is getting picked up and put in the can. Because the brain works like that, right? We know this from neuroscience. You never forget nothing. Everything's filed in your computer banks. Yeah, the brain is the greatest supercomputer that exists. It remembers every damn detail of everything that ever happened to you, even when you're saying it doesn't bother me today. Yeah. And it's just like the bad apple thing. You know, when you put the bad apple in there and you put this stuff, even with the good things you're putting in there, we're also, we just can't help it to bump in. We're going to, like the other book says about the calamity and the things we're going to run into in our life, the trauma, the different things that I have to do something with. And I basically just, pick, I have really no choice but to pick them up and put them in my can. Mm-hmm. Before I, I have this time can, to deal with it today, yeah, right? I, I got to work my job. I got to pick up the kids. I can't deal with that right now. I'll deal with it later. Right. And we never go back to deal with it. And then the can gets filled up. And I always think about this other analogy like it's now it's got this like this sludge in it i got that from scott l you know that mm-hmm. he talks about that the sludge in it and it's spilling which around which word you know? to scott l thank you for everything yeah. you do no, you are a absolutely major yeah. soldier of this program yeah. dude yeah. i yeah. mean i put him at the top it was another one of the speakers that i had started listening to before when i met you throughout through from another contact somebody mm-hmm. else turned me on to him but really? he actually got turned on to it from you Oh, cool. So that that triangle thing, you know. So I told you about. There's very to few him. favorites. Like, I love him, and but that's, I have. But him and Keith L, I think, are two of our yeah. giant, 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 yeah. giants. Yeah, absolutely. Who carry this message and how to do this deal? So I got this can of stuff sloshing around with me all the time, you know, and I can smell it. Everywhere I go, I can smell it. Yeah, I can tell that, little, that I stink. You know? To be clear with people out there, it's not overt, right? It's this little nagging voice inside that's telling you, yeah, I'm just a little bit irritable today. I'm yeah. just a little bit. You know, and it's, yeah. you know, and that here. little thing about not being able to fit in, you know, not being like able to be part of. Somebody comes into the office on Monday morning. How you doing? That's Monday. Yeah, yeah well. Hanging in there. You know you why know. it's Monday? Is because you got this can of shit you're carrying around <laughs> everywhere. It's, yeah. yeah. And then I walk around, and I think you can smell it too. Mm-hmm. You know, because when I splash it around, and, and then one of my when I go places, it sloshes out on the floor over there. And I okay, so let's be real clear about this bit. for the listeners. We call it unfinished business. There you go. This is all my stuff that I've not cleaned up, or taken care of, or gotten rid of, or even looked at, or inventoried, and I don't even know I'm carrying it. Yeah. Like something that happened in freaking football camp when I was 15 years old. I mean, I had a guy in my group just recently. He's like 70-odd years old, right? He's been through the program before. He had worked the steps. I said, so what's wrong? Why are you back? And I'm like, so, you know, what about your inventory process? And I think he told me he had something like 12 names on his inventory. I'm like, what? And he went through my group and listened to my little ramblings. And he says, you mean, he did. He stopped me in group one day. He says, you mean when I'm talking about these bullies? that used to just pick on me mercilessly when I was a kid. They would literally come to my house and abduct me and make me do what they tell me to do. That should be on my four-step. I said, dude, how many times have you brought that up in my group since you've been in here? Even last time when you were in my group, you were talking about that. How old are you now? And he goes, well, I'm just talking. Yeah, that's the point. If it comes out of your mouth, you ain't done with it yet. It's unfinished business. It still bugs the crap out of you, and your ego is telling you, oh, no, that's silly. Yeah. I'm a man now. Come on, Why man. would I Get be worried that. about something having me at 12 years old? Right. I even He even had a story where he met with those guys in a bar later, and yeah. he popped them. Yeah. So he had his little moment of victory, or and that. yet he was still not free. Or he that. said he felt great after popping them, but it didn't last, right? Yeah. Still bugged him what they did to him when he was 12. Yeah. That's the same thing about those. You know, that was what was happening when I was bullied at the basketball court and not being allowed to leave. You know, mm-hmm. being, not, maybe not physically forced, but, yeah. So uh, another thing we tell each other is, it, it, you know, that stuff happens to everybody. You yeah, know, that you know, and it doesn't just make get over. It. Yeah, just I should just you know, hell, that's just that's just life. Shit happens, hmm. you know. 
Well, okay, so let's talk about that aspect when we're talking about finding my truth. Um, we all, as human beings, understand the concept that everybody has a different physical pain tolerance, right? You yep. know, some people, like, for instance, I was a kid, I had allergy shots every two weeks, or twice a week, <laughs> literally, living in the Ohio Valley here, anybody that lives here understands. And uh, so needles, no big deal, stick me all night long. I don't, you know, I, I still go to the day when they do infusions, they say, oh, here comes a hit. I'm like, whatever, just stick me up. And then you show another person a needle and they faint, right? Right. Different pain tolerances, different, you know, but we also have different emotional tolerances. So two people can go through the same exact experience and have a totally different result. different result. We know this from our soldiers, it. from being in battle, PTSD. Two soldiers can be there for the same exact blast event, same exact trauma, and one comes out completely destroyed for the rest of their life, and the other one has a brain that doesn't react that way, right? Yep. It's not in our power. It's just part of genetics, right? So when we're saying, well, just get over it, everybody goes through that. Yeah, but I went through that. Yeah. And to me, this was my truth, right? And you talked about in the story with Nick. We're not trying to indict anybody because that's futile. We're not trying to blame people, right? Don't misunderstand. Blaming your parents or blaming anybody doesn't get you anywhere. It gets you to a bar real fast. Yeah. It gets you to a dope man's house real fast with resentment. What we're trying to do is what was my experience in that system? What was my real truth that I've been denying to myself? How did I feel growing up in a family where they didn't listen to me, where I was sort of the lost child and that just sort of in the background or in a family where I had to deal with an alcoholic father who uh, didn't know what kind of mood he was going to come home in? Yeah, yeah, everybody goes through that, right? Yeah. Now, what was my experience and could that possibly be playing that fear I'll just use one example, that fear of apprehension, not knowing what to expect. How could that be playing some, some role in my worldview today that now I'm fearing that out of nowhere, some, well, I'm going to go there. Here we go. Some brown person is going to come across the border and steal my job because I've got this fear that my security is going to be taken out from under me that's actually related to my alcoholic father and not knowing whether or not we were going to be living in that house because dad might lose his job again. Yeah. Literally, those roots go deep. Yep. And then the events that happen today are just triggers. Whatever happens in the news today, is that's a trigger, but it can't, like I said earlier about hitting the bullseye, it can't affect you unless there's already some sort of bullseye inside you, embedded in you to hit. Um, and unless I see those things, or as Bill Wilson calls it, the causes and conditions, right. I'm doomed to repeat them for the rest of my life. Yeah. And how easy is it for us to see in our friends? It's like, well, you need to work on this or you need to change this. <laughs> yeah, right. We can see it in everybody else real quick, you know. But I'm fine, you know. I don't need to work on nothing myself. That's exactly the same thing that goes on when we talk about people with this book here. And, mm. and we, when we say, like, present it to somebody and they know somebody needs it. Mm -hmm. You know, not me. I don't need it, but I do know somebody. That so needs let's that. get this clear, man. You're only cheating yourself. To me, I feel so sorry for the world. I really do. The general reaction I've experienced over the years when you tell people in your recovery, there's actually people who will go, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I look at them and I'm like, no, really, actually, I'm sorry for you motherfuckers because you don't have the solution in your life and you guys are running around like scared rabbits out there and you don't even know what's wrong with you. You don't. You have no clue what's even wrong with you. We're so lucky to have this deal, man. It certainly is a blessing. I, I, I did used to look at my disease or the alcoholism, the bottom, as a as a curse. And really today, absolutely, without question, it was well, the without that blessing dark night of the soul for every person throughout history, nobody grows. Right. All of our teachers, every single one, whether it's the Buddha going out and learning about suffering, yep. whether it's Apostle Paul falling off his horse, and we still don't know whether that was the drink or the woman or what the hell he was doing that was supposed to be a sin, so supposedly. 
his moment of crisis, his dark night of the soul, where he right. turned to something else and said, help me. And I don't know what's going to take for you folks out there, but you're going to have some sort of experience. No human being gets through yeah. this thing called life without these experiences. You might lose a child to an illness. You might have an economic downturn and lose your freaking 401k and be out of your house. Something's going to happen where you're going to have to seek other help. Yeah. And if it hasn't happened to you, beware. It might be coming. Yeah. I, I do joke, uh, you know, around about there are seems to be these certain people that do seem to slide by. I don't quite understand. I don't get it. But it's I a vast, That's it's hard a to very do. minority. Maybe it's just I feel you. I feel you. I'll, I'll say that. I'll agree with you. But then again, we don't know what's going on behind their head, right. in yeah. their soul, yeah. and behind closed doors. Yeah. We, unfortunately, in America, we judge people by the appearances, right? Right. So you're driving a nice car. Your your lawn looks well manicured and all that. We don't know what's going on in their real life. Yeah, and that's what I was going to is that I, everybody has to some level some of this stuff underlying. And the more that I walk down this path and, and be exposed to people through, like, fifth steps and things like that and hearing other people's stories. Oh, my stories God, aren't they all the same, stuff. these fifth and, steps? And, yep, they are generally all the same. And, and, and everybody has these things underneath of them, you know. So now, you know, to some extent, and then not to mention that I have a, a support group and people who are willing to share their true stuff with each other you know so it's not just the intimacy of the fifth step where I'm hearing these things I'm hearing them just from you and me and our buddies and people are talking uh, that all this stuff is underneath of there you know so now when I see somebody else and I see them hurting you know I instantly I'm going you know what is under there what is under there you know and that's what these tools do is help somebody get to what that pattern of, of what we've been doing while and we're in this uh, rut I love another little joke I like to hear is that you know, when you're in a rut, the best thing about being in a rut is that somebody was there before. Because <laughs> there's not a rut without, uh, without my, others passing uh, by before. Marion, so my spiritual teacher, said the only difference between a rut and a grave is the depth of it. Yeah. Because <laughs> yep. you can get stuck in a rut. So after that process, to sum it up real quick, we, um, you'd write this stuff on paper. Best you can. You puke it out. You don't analyze. Great instructions on how puke, to do puke, it in puke. here. The detail. exact manual. Detail, do this, man. Do that, One step at a time. Do that. Um, we just do this. Come back to the book in a little while. Yeah. When and you're done do with that, come step. back and, and start here again. And then you uh, take that all to another person who's spiritually attuned, somebody who's had some development, and you take that before your whatever belief you have in some kind of a higher power. It could be um, the spirit of the universe. It could be music. It could be anything you can't explain that's outside yourself that gives you passion or makes you feel more whole inside, safer inside, more comfortable, warm. That's not my sponsor. He has the best definition of a higher power. He says, when I was five or four years old, anything that made me feel warm and fuzzy inside, and I'm not talking about dope, anything that makes me feel genuinely, right. authentically yeah. warm and fuzzy, he said, that's my higher power. He says, my higher power is my grandkid. Yeah. He comes over and he plays, and I am just like, that's God right there to yeah. me. Right. Um, and you dump all that stuff. You take your trash can, you pour it all out. You don't go through it yourself because you've been trying to sort it out your entire life. And this other soul who's attuned using this extra power that's with you guys on this journey, suddenly answers come. Patterns emerge. Yep. You'll see this uh, roadmap that you've been following that you have a choice then. You can either keep following it or you can burn it. Let it go and move on. Right. Yep. And that's only halfway through the process, right? That is. Yep. Step five. So then in, in also just... For, to circle back to the book you know in there we've got things because like you said you got to find this person that's attuned right so we talk about you talk about how to find that person in here you know and another tool is why we're having these meetings because we will have a gathering of yeah. souls who are and that's again i'm going to put that i've got to put role. that invitation out there dan we need soldiers yeah 
There are people who we have got a pretty good solution. base. We all oh, we do. We need more. But well, I'm not. I'm talking beyond Louisville, though. Oh yeah, um, right. Yeah, absolutely. We need people who are willing to take this challenge and say, "I'm going to help others. I have the solution. I know how to do a fist dip. I know how to guide somebody through their nine step. Let me start a meeting." Yeah. What get get somebody else? That's really the easiest way to do it. I've got you, Lieutenant Dan, my sidekick. You've got to have another soldier beside you to start this kind of endeavor. It's really hard to do all just by yourself. Yeah, right. And get another person in the program. Talk to them. Say, hey, there's this crazy-ass book. This guy's probably full of shit. And don't even agree with everything he says. Actually, it's pretty good. And you <laughs> he you know, starts reading it. Well, so it says clear-cut directions. And that's what we've said about the other book, right? But it's really, we've talked about that the, you know, most of those directions are tribal knowledge. They're not. Bill you know, we, we did a phenomenal, it, miraculous job for a guy with two years sobriety. And as I say in the book, he couldn't have written a nursery rhyme with all the alcohol damage he'd done to right. his brain. And yeah. somehow he wrote this amazing text, which has everything we need to know for then. Now we have this wisdom over 80 plus years that these other guys have said, when you're in the trenches doing the work, we have found if you do it this way, you get the better result. Yeah, yeah. Here's the good way to do it. Here's if you do it really this way, way you get an okay result. And I did the steps really half-assed when I first started, and I got a fairly good, happy, joyous, and free, but I didn't get this, right. that eight-cylinder Hemi engine stuff. Um, and that's what's exciting for me, and I'm just going to say this to you. You've got sponsees that you started out on this deeper level stuff right you're yep. taking him through the steps yep. the book wasn't even out yet guys but he's using the tribal knowledge that i imparted onto him exactly and these guys have four or six months and they're walking into meetings and people are like you seem like you've got 10 20 years yeah because yeah. of this advanced level deeper level recovery yeah and by the way i haven't even talked about that definition of recovery and it, it i even as I was writing this book, I didn't even know really what it meant. I yeah. thought I knew what it meant. And for some reason, I started sticking my head in the dictionary a lot when I was writing the book, Go Figure. And I said, gee, I never, I never looked up the word recovery. What the hell does it even recovery mean? And I looked it up, and I love the definition. It says to go back and reclaim that which has been lost. Or stolen. Reclaim, not regain. Yeah. Reclaim, saying, I want this. Yeah. That which has been lost, which, of course, I talk about in the books. That leaves the question, so what's been lost? And I say, look at your kid's eyes. Yep. Are you walking around like that today, or are you walking around miserable? Right. You gave me that assignment early on, too, you know, and it was another one of those ones where, you, for whatever reason, there was something in my heart that was telling me just to do what you told me to do. That was a two gift also, you know. Uh, there was a, that, that, that Jekyll Hyde thing. The other voice was also saying, this is a bunch of bullshit, and it's not going to work. But I had a gift where I went home. And uh, and opened up a photo album my mother had given me, and it was chronological. So it started with baby pictures of like you know the, the kind of baby pictures in the hospital baby picture, mm. and it and it went through to a first birthday and, and on and on and on up until whenever I I think it's ended someplace in my late teens early twenties you know, and I started at the back of that photo album and started turning the pages backwards, and I could see in the, and but I really didn't notice that until I got to the page where the lights were on in the kid's eye, mm. and I and I remember flipping it back and forth. You know, I could turn the page Huge like change, a flip thing, right? and I could see the difference in between these two kids from the eyes being lit up and a sparkle in them to a darkness. You know, and I also know there was an event in my life around that same sure. part of time. Today, I know that. Sure. You know, when I saw that picture, I didn't know. I couldn't. Not really only pull do that you know either. it, but you've given it the credence it deserves. That's what I talk about my truth. You've honored it. Yes, this is what happened to my kid. And yeah. I am going to go back and reclaim him. I'm going to go save him. Nobody else in my life did that. Who else in our lives cared that much 
We had angels occasionally. We had people that helped us despite the madness around us. But how many people were going to be on our side to go back and reclaim like like a crew of soldiers going into some foreign territory to extract a soldier, right? And we're going to get you out safely, right? Doing that for your kid who's been abandoned. Because most of us don't even walk around and even think our kid exists. Or like this guy, we've allowed the institutions of man to convince us our soul doesn't exist. And the reason, folks, why they don't want you to believe it exists is because you're only a number to them. I hate to tell you that. You're yeah. a bank account. You're it wasn't a, too you're long a dollar ago amount. that word hit me real good. And, work and what you can buy and what, you, what, you, what labels you wear is all you are to the systems yeah. and institutions, right? And that, that So the soul doesn't have... exist. That other part of you doesn't exist. You're just a consumer in the eyes of the world yeah. of man. And every one of our employers have got a department dedicated to dealing with us. It's called human resources. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, nothing but a resource. The, um, I saw that picture of myself and my poor sister, um, after the, my mom's first divorce from my dad and, uh, she married another alcoholic and, uh, there's this picture of us all together and my, I have this look like I'm there, but I'm not there. But my sister has this dark cloud over her, and she was older. She was four years older than me, so she was probably more exposed to the madness going on. You just see it in this poor kid, man. It's like you're in a gulag. You're in some sort of Siberian prison, abandoned. And that's the way I feel about people, is that's deep down inside of all of us. And we're just letting it fade away. Yeah. Because there is. Starved to death. I smell more. There is more than that. I've, I've, I've reached it. I found it. You know, and that hold that other line in there about that uh, barely scratched a limitless load well, as long as I continue to manage. If the this rest helps of my inspire life. people out there, man, I'm telling you, if you can get this, you're going to have the best life ever. I'm, I'm convinced that this is the prescription for the most successful and most fulfilling life on this planet. I agree wholeheartedly. Here, no, here it goes. Here it goes. It's in a nutshell. A, find out who you are. Find out what's important to you. What's your truth? The most important things that matter to me. What do you value? Get down to those cores. And what do I have to do to do that? I got to clear away all this other garbage. I've got to do inventory. I've got to get rid of the extra stuff on top. Clean that at the bottom. What is my most important thing in life? What's what's? Who am I? What's my truth? Number two, can I walk it? Can I actually show this truth to the world? Can I cry in front of my fellows? Can I share my warmth? Can I hug other men? And not to have them wonder, you know. Can I drop all that garbage and share my truth and walk my truth on this planet? This is what's important to me. This is where I'm going. I don't care, you know. I'm going to take some slings and arrows from people about the book. But I don't care. I'm going to walk my truth because this is my path. And three, can you make money at it? Can you do it for a living? I think there's very few individuals who have accomplished this advanced soul work. They're the most evolved souls, souls on our planet. And I don't know, I'm not necessarily saying their spiritual development, but as far as what they've achieved. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Oprah, the people who have, A, what's your truth? What do you stand for? What's most important to you? B, can you walk it, put it into action every day, show it to others, and can you make money on it and do it for a living? And are they not happy? Hell yeah, they're happy. They're not accepting working at a place for 30 years just to get a pension, yeah. selling their soul out. Yeah. But the systems want you to believe that's all you're good for. I they know need, because I work for a system and I work for a corporation at the same time and try to get higher up and they're going to say, no, no, this is the ceiling. This is all you get. Yeah. And I, you go back like Oliver and Oliver Twist, more, sir, can I please have more? And they're like, no, this is all you get. You're just a cog in the machine. Yeah. Break free, man. Wake yourself up. 
Yeah, they need to keep you there. They need to keep you in that web. Don't be They're another your, cattle in the cattle car, yeah. cattle head in the cattle They're car. Your, their resources <laughs> to, to, to get where they're going. Well, the people in power don't want you to expand. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had a little flash. You know, you're talking about get finding yourself. You know, in the bottom of that trash can is a picture of that little kid. Hmm. That's what Dirty, finding all that is. Slammed down, there. bent, dirt, you know, just at the bottom of the trash can, just like if you had left it there for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just to, uh, we, we are at an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to do that I thought would be kind of fun this morning, I wanted to invite our good friend Shane to come join us up here and tell his experience a little bit with the book or with his journey through the steps. We'll just, a little short little deal here. Um, Shane is a good friend of mine that um, I met along the way after I met Dan, started to sponsor him, and he had been through the steps before with another sponsor, and uh, he was looking for more. He could smell it. He could see it on us. And I said, well, come on board. Let's see what happens. And uh, he's got a personal experience with this. And I think that would be helpful for the, for the listeners to, rather than just me rambling on because they're going to say, well, of course you think it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that is a so, little point that I thought, too, is in the beginning of that, of, of this thing, of getting this, getting it. You know, I still actually, after having miracles happen in my life, I still at some level thought it was a fluke mm-hmm. until I started seeing other people get it, too, yeah. especially when I started being able to actually pass it on and be a part of, you know, carrying this message to other people and see these miracles happening. Which I tell my that patients. That was concrete, the concrete proof positive We all were in high school at one time, and we learned about the definition of the scientific method. The scientific method is you have a series of constructs, you have a subject, you put this subject through a series of constructs or, or tests or whatever you're doing, and you get a result. And then you take another uh, subject, you put them through the same deal, you get another result, right? And then as evidence starts to build, you start to say, oh, this is real. This is a real thing. This is something you can put faith in. Well, we have this program we've been doing for 80 plus years, man, 83 years. 84, I'm losing track, 84. But it's Coming about, up on 84. Just about, yeah. And um, we take all these lab rats. These are lab rats from every country, every language, every culture, every background. These yeah, are right. totally different lab rats. Yeah. I mean, these are not all the same lab rats. Yeah, yeah. And we put it through the same construct, though, which is the 12 steps. Go through this process. Do the entire process. See what happens. And when you come out, we have this change in them, all positive, phenomenal, miraculous. And it happens every time to every single one of them. Yeah. So when my patients ask me that silly shit about, you know, I've been on the Internet, what are the... What are the statistics for alcoholics and addicts making it? And I yeah. tell them 100%. 100% you'll fail if you don't freaking do what we tell you to do. If you do this deal, 100% you'll make it. Yeah. 100%. We don't see anybody not drinking again or drugging again who has really done authentically. You do this and you employ And the ones we do life. see who drink and drug again always listen for what they always tell us their truth, which is I stopped doing what was working. Yeah. And the majority of them I find in my group when they come back to treatment centers, I wasn't helping others. I wasn't sponsoring other men. I wasn't staying in the deal. So you cheated yourself. Yeah. And that's why you used again, because you had to get that juice from somewhere. So anyway, like I said, I want to bring Shane Dog up here. And so I call him Shane Doggy Doo. He's a good friend of ours. And uh, hang on, folks. He's got a juice load. He's going to just blow all over this Are microphone right up here. over a little bit? I, I was just going to get out of the way entirely and let him take the mic. All right. Well, so, cool. Then uh, It's all yours, buddy. You want? We got a little... Someday I'll have like some uh, some seating and some some things because those chairs are kind of short for this. Oh, that's all right. It feels good. What's Welcome up? to the table. Yeah. yeah. Just to say that uh, I had just finished uh, uh, working on a on a brand new table. It just come about. And, uh, awesome. It's going to be my uh, so solid mahogany piece of mahogany I've been carrying around for twenty years, and now we're sitting over top of it doing this crazy stuff. while recording the podcast having to do with a brand new movement afoot. 
spilling the juice all over it yeah. right off the bat. And I feel the energy in it. I can too. And it, it, it's funny how it all came about at this time, in this moment in your life. You've had this piece of wood for 20 years, and look what you manifested it into. Yeah, today. just in the last couple of weeks, you know, somebody was over here helping me, and I saw it sitting over against the wall, and I said, uh, Mike, help me get that out. And, and and then just a few weeks later, here it is. Yeah, it's amazing. I couldn't wait to see it. I, I'd seen pictures of it, but I knew it would be something different when I saw it in person. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so tell me just a little, what, throw some juice on us, man. What's happened? Man. Um, now, we have heard, y'all have heard Shane, too, his uh, stories out there. So uh, if you get a little piece of this today, uh, you can go to Spiritual Underground Podcast, and you can listen to a number of our people who have uh, been through this process and are those uh, those uh, proof positive results that Christopher was just talking about tell their stories about how they came to this uh, brand new way of life and got this freedom we talk about today. So Shane's stories uh, is out there, so I'd encourage you to go listen to it. Yeah, thank you, man. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of what I, the stuff I'm going to say, I'm going to kind of break it down to um, when I first came into treatment. Uh, my second day in treatment um, was when I had somewhat of an epiphany, if you will. Um, something called me <laughs> to Christopher. Um, I was sitting in his group, and he was talking, and uh, he said something about his book. Didn't know what it was about, nothing at all. And um, some of that moment, my higher power, told me that I was supposed to be part of his book somehow, some way. I had no clue what it was about. But at that moment, two days in recovery, something told me I was supposed to be part of this. And I see the results of that today. Yeah. It's totally changed my life in a way I could never have imagined. Um, I get all emotional about because I I'm it living, is touching, I'm living the yeah. best life I could possibly live today. Um, my wife and I were out to dinner last night, and this is just to prove that this stuff is working. And uh, we were with some friends that I hadn't seen in like a year, you know. And um, my wife started talking about me and where where I am today compared to what I used to be. She said, "You know, there's three Shanes that I know." She said, "There's a Shane I fell in love with, a happy Shane I fell in love with." Then there's the addicted Shane that was just a shell of a person that wasn't there anymore. And then there's this Shane. A hundred times different from what I ever knew him to be. Yeah. And happy. That, the happiness level, you know, is a hundred times happier than it ever was. I'm still learning about him, is yeah. what she said. And I said, I'm still learning about myself, which I am. And it's amazing that I'm still learning about myself, but I open myself up to this because of this book. This book helped me open up myself to realize who the hell I am because I was just being what everybody else wanted me to be. But now I'm me today, and it's amazing. Um, uh, I'd asked Christopher to be my sponsor the second day in the brook because <laughs> I wanted what he had immediately. Yeah. You know, and, uh, A little conflict of interest yeah. there. Yeah, and uh, he said uh, uh, he couldn't because of conflict of interest, you know, and I said, okay. and um, But uh, – I still wanted what he had, so I stuck by him. I came back for um, our aftercare things every Thursday, no matter what. Which you still do. Still do that today after two and two years and four months. I still do that every Thursday, no matter what, unless yeah. I'm out of town. Um, and then um, uh, I found he had mentioned the spiritual underground to me one day. He asked me where I went on Tuesday nights, and he knew where I went on Tuesday nights. That's what threw me at first, you know, because uh, he, he had told me about this meeting that I'd been going to. And uh he said, well, you ought to check this one out, Spiritual Underground. 
I said, all right, you know, I'll do it. And at first I didn't, you know, and uh, a couple weeks later, I think he mentioned it again. I was like, all right, I'll check it out, you know, and came in that night and there he was there. And that's the night I met you. Yeah. You were the first person I met at Spiritual Underground. And when I walked in, I also wondered what you had. And I didn't even know what you had yet, just by your eyes, like Christopher said. We locked eyes, and we had a spiritual connection from the moment I freaking met you. Bro. Yep, we sure did. Um, I saw you in there, and I, and I do have a thing for people when I see them. I, there's part of my recovery is that when I see somebody in that meeting that I haven't seen before, A, I know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't. I go up and ask you if you've been here before. I've even had some people tell me that they've been there before. Mm-hmm. Like, no, yeah, you haven't. Maybe, maybe <laughs> four years plus yeah. ago, maybe. But yeah, you, you haven't been in there since I've been. Now I have missed a couple of meetings, so there could be a chance that that person right. pulled it in on those nights. But to, back to the point, I saw you and immediately uh, knew that you know I need to know you in a sense. You know that deal where you just have a connection. So uh, we've been able to do this. We're sponsee brothers. Yes, uh, kind of. Uh, this march and this being on in on this ground floor of this thing and that's i think that's probably what lured you was that knowing mm-hmm. you know even though like we said we don't really know Didn't right know why. but there's yeah. something to look. i can look gathering. in the rear view mirror and see that stuff today you know mm-hmm. i've said that and i think in maybe in the last podcast was as, as i move forward in recovery also you know the clarity i gain moving forward also clears up a lot of what's behind me i can see that more clearly also mm-hmm. and so like those times you know when we hugged that night you know, because yeah. I can still remember that. I, you know, I mean, I like you said, right this now. stuff that goes right in now, us yeah. and, and everything. I remember these. That's one other thing about recovery is you freaking get to remember, remember shit. shit. <laughs> <laughs> totally. uh, that's uh, so. Just and then you've done this before a little bit, uh, so I don't want to just like go into yeah. like a complete story thing. But the fact of the matter is, is that you did the steps and you got free to well, a certain level. Yeah, I, yeah, I did steps with my first sponsor, and uh, I'd already wanted more. You know, I wanted more than what he had had. You know, and then uh, Christopher, um, about the almost my year mark, about eleven month mark, I'd asked him again around the six month mark, and we both prayed on it about sponsoring me and. Uh, we both came back with the same conclusion, which was pretty cool. That it wasn't time, you know. And uh, then around the 11th month mark, he came to me and talked to me about it. And I said, yeah, let's do it, you know. And he started telling me what to do. I was like, well, you know what? Let, uh, let's wait till after my birthday. I said, on my birthday, I want my sponsor to give me the honor of, you know, give him the honor of giving my one-year token. Yeah, he saved my life. Right, you know? right. So um, he said, that's very admirable. So look, we'll do that. So uh, like a week prior, I, I got to sit with my sponsor at that time and tell him, what my plans were about growing and wanting more. And he thought it was amazing, you know, yeah. and I told him at my year, uh, Christopher is going to become my sponsor. And he's like, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, which was really cool that he wanted to see me grow more right. too. You know, that's another the way Scott, this thing's supposed to be. That's another Scott L thing is, uh, you know, he says one of those things is he wants his sponsees to outgrow, outgrow him. Me, you yeah. know, I mean, that is the, really the biggest compliment you could give me is to be continue on that trajectory and need more teaching. Yeah. Then I've done my job. Yeah. <laughs> And so um, the one year started, and uh, um, Christopher started sponsoring me. He started uh, giving me a chapter a week. That was Manila envelopes you were talking about. Yeah, the drug deals in the parking lot kind of deal. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't wait for every Tuesday night to get the next chapter. I would go home and start reading it that night. You know, as soon as I got home, my wife yeah. was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to read, you know. And she was usually almost already in bed anyway, so I'd read as long as I could until I got too tired yeah. and I would go to bed. But I'm yeah. a very slow reader. But um, – uh, every week he would give me more and more, and I started working the steps with him in uh, yeah, optimal recovery. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't see how I can be more free today. If there's a way, I don't, I don't know how. Yeah, 
I keep on saying that too, but you yeah. know, I keep on peeking around every corner, man, and finding something else around There's the corner. There's always more, you know, but, but it is. how can there be more than this? Yeah, yeah, but I get it. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> man, because uh, I, I won't, I really, I won't settle. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to, because uh, I, I know today that there's that I don't have to do that. That I am my only limitation, you know. But uh, you know, if it was, this was it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, he he broke down the steps so perfect, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was just like it made it exciting. Like I couldn't wait to do the next step, the next right. step, the next yeah. step. Read more, read more, do the work, do the work, and free myself of the bullshit. I've been putting on my whole life, you know, yeah. and today I feel free. I completely free. I feel like I'm floating. I mean, literally floating on this juice. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, you know, because when I went through with Christopher the first time around, when I went, you know, this stuff wasn't on in writing to accessible right, yeah. to me anyway. And, yeah. I, and, uh, so it was all a part of like, you know, some of it was like, where's this at? You know, mm-hmm. I want to see where this is written, you exactly. know, like I needed like some proof that it needed to have some substantiation or some <laughs> shit for it to work. Uh, if it wasn't in writing, but now, you know, to have this actually sitting there and as I read through it later and see those step-by-step instructions. And I was actually working with a guy the other night and, uh, take him into the sex inventory in a four step, mm-hmm. you know, and I let him, you know, I did everything off of my tribal yes, knowledge out yes. of my head, you know, but then I opened up the book and I was kind of just joking cause I had it. And the fact of the matter is, is when I hold that other, the, the Alcoholics Anonymous book, which is a huge gift in itself, right? It's all, it is, that is, that's, that's the core of all this work, right? right. That is the, the, the seed the beginning of it uh but like i said i here's what we're working out of is this book but what i'm giving you is this book and i had christopher's hand book mm-hmm. in, the, in my other hand mm-hmm. you know so i opened it up and i read it you know and the fact was is that although i did pass along those instructions pretty damn well there was a couple of things that still because mm-hmm. it's so deep it, that i said oh yeah here this and this I had uh, not not given you, so now it's in writing, exactly. right? And it's not a matter of missing the, these important points that are in here, you know, because there are so many. Like I said, there's a there's just an optimized way to get to squeeze as much juice out of this process mm-hmm. as you can possibly squeeze out of it. So as we as I've said in some of the things as I'm uh, putting this stuff out on the internet and um, and and typing up some things to try and. Um, help others see what's because the fact of the matter is is that people see us right and mm-hmm. i know this you know i, 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 I want to smile to like this. shane right and, and i want to have shane people all around me in my life night. that see the difference in me mm-hmm. you know and they will tell me you know at work and other places in my life uh the people see it right mm-hmm. and you know yesterday was my juice pour day we have that group thing where yeah. you get to you know we do where we we encourage each other and pour a lot of juice on one another mm-hmm. and we have a little group chat that we did that on it's a just a really cool way we're connecting but you know to have those things uh, over and over again expressed knowing that's the truth today you know mm-hmm. so we get to be these lighthouses to shine this truth in order for other people to see it and want it right that attraction yeah. portion of this thing promotion. and uh that you know we've got this that if you're in a 12-step program this can take you to that i smell more that next level whatever to 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 bring you up to more in your recovery because that is a huge thing of people stagnating and and uh resting on their laurels as the other thing says you know and that's where we say well that's why that's why you stop when chris was saying people coming back they stop because they quit getting fed right Mm -hmm. because as long as you're continuing to get fed you will continue eating right you you will continue to do that i just had a little thing like that rabbit i got in there man it will not stop eating if you feed it it will eat until it i think it would pop right Uh, that's the same way i feel about this 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 program and this trajectory here this this growth uh um 
path. He said, as long as I continue to get it. So for those out there that are in a stuck kind of position or that want more, you know, that's, this is here for them. Mm -hmm. It's also for the people who are looking for, you know, that missing element that they're just not, they're not getting out of life what they think they can get that programming. They don't see it, you know, so that's the cool thing. It's the, you know, it works for everybody. It works for the people who are still that are in a 12 step program. I can promise you if you're in a 12 step program and you work the steps according to this book, you will grow more than you are today. Mm-hmm. I can also promise you that if you're not in 12 step and you do these, you, you work these steps and employ them in your life, uh, your, your life's going to change greatly sure. and you're going to like the change that you see. Yeah. Uh, I got, um, I've, you were talking about the sponsors and how you, you spread it onto them. Uh, I was talking to Christopher the other night about how, now that I have the book, it's it's going to be easier for me to, because I sponsored two guys through his, the big book and this big big book. In yeah. my opinion, is what I call it, the big big book, because um, it is a big book. <laughs> and uh, um, if um, you told somebody that was dying of cancer that if they read this book. They would be cured of cancer. If they did what was if they do the work, it's in it. Yeah, they they read it and did the work. It would cure my cancer. How many of those cancer patients would read that book? Yeah, you'd do it. Yeah. When a guy the other night he said, "Oh, seven hundred and something page book. I'm not going to read that." I was like, "Well, you're not ready for it then." You know, is there's the guy say, and I, I don't think you read this book necessarily. You work it. Right. Uh, there's instructions in it. You're not going to, it's not to sit down and read tonight no, or yeah, to take not, a vacation yeah. and just For me, read it. it's not a Cause you're really not going to get that much. I mean, you will get something out of reading it mm-hmm. certainly, but you get what you get out, what you, where the power is, is doing the work behind the steps. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where the actual power is. So we work as things. So you're not like sitting down trying to read a 700 page book. Yeah. That's not the goal. The goal is the same as everything else. I mean, it's basically the same principles we use every day. It's a textbook. One day at a time. It's one thing at a time. It's how you eat elephant. Mm-hmm. One bite at a time. We just right. walk down it and, and and march down that work, and, and your life will change beyond your understanding. We, we Everybody says if we would have wrote a script, we'd have sold ourselves short. That's mm-hmm. a common thing everybody says, uh, and, and, and we know that to be the truth. Like you said, having uh, those manila envelopes and, and, and just the knowledge that we, that we were able to remember from reading that stuff, you know, and, and, and passing that on to the guys and – like you know four or five months sober and these people are saying how many years you got yeah, you know right, it's yeah. amazing to watch that i love watching my sponsors grow like i think you do. i think you were going to go down a path there's one other thing and and we are closing in on that two hour mark and i try not to get our listeners to have to be roped into too much more in two right, hours of, of this at a time um is I think you were saying, you know, I can only really pass this along to so many people at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it takes a tremendous amount of energy to do that through yes. the tribal knowledge pathway, you yeah. know. But with a book, I can now pass it along to you, and I think I can actually do more work, right? Yes. I think I can actually sponsor more people effectively. Yes. I, I personally can only, now. Yeah. I found that I can only do like two at a time effectively mm-hmm. and really give them what, what's there. Uh, I don't know what what that means, and I know it's not a quantity thing. Right. But I do want to help as many people as I can freaking help, and yep. I, and and you and I both have people waiting for us. Yep. You know, they want us to sponsor <laughs> yeah. them, and I can't do ever. I can't sponsor everybody right. that I would like to and sponsor because I never to. want to say no. Yeah, exactly. I you want I, to I, yeah. so badly. Yeah. But uh, this is going to give an opportunity to do that at a at a at a greater pace and and mm-hmm. spread it. In uh, four months. Yeah. That's and, about the turnaround right yeah, now. Right. I'm seeing it as four months, and they're they're they got and they're it. ready to turn it around and do the same thing, so that this whole thing spider web. Out, yeah. 
and uh, and, and get this out to the masses, you know. And uh, I really do feel, you know, I I, I want to sit back and that old voice in there wants to say to me, uh, but I, I refuse to listen to it. Uh, it wants to say to me that 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 this stuff can't happen. But I truly, my heart knows that. Uh, I will look past, look over the last few years, and I see what's been happening. And I know this is going to be world changing. This is yeah, going to, sure. this is going to help so many people. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be just a, just to be a part of it. It's just a trip, man. It's, it's just, just it's, it's amazing to be a drop to start some of those ripples. Yeah, you and know. you know, you go how to, you know, man, and I get to stand here and do this today. Yep. I'm gonna close it out. You got any final concluder? <laughs> oh man, I like to do a concluder. You dropped it on me. Why don't you do yours first? Well, I have a little outro okay, I got to do too. Christopher, would I'm you like to, to have another concluder? Jump in yeah, here. And let's, jump in let's here. hear it. Yeah, I'll let you. I'm not a very good finisher. <laughs> I, I don't believe that for a minute. But, that's all right, Shane. Alcoholics don't finish anything. That's, that's, <laughs> uh, he didn't get a chance to say it fully, so I'll say it for him. This man over here, I'm so Shane. proud of him. Shane, I am so proud of him. Um, He's finding out who he is, and he's letting his little kid out, right? And that attracts people yeah. to say, oh, man, this man's playing through life. He's smiling. He's helping others. This guy goes through life. He helps more people on his job going through his day. People in traffic he sees need assistance, yeah. strangers, anybody. He's letting that spirit of his out, and he's changing the world. He's already changing the world on a right. daily basis, yeah. and he was not. that's not the man I met right. who was eating all those opiate pills and everything else. And so good for you, Shane. I'm yeah. very, very it's proud very of you. Very cool. I did want to throw a closer on here for the listener. Um, yeah, it's a freaking big book. I'm sorry. I'm not responsible for that. Higher Power said put in everything that they need to know. And I had a sponsor at one time said, don't you go watering this shit down. This ain't no 12 steps for dummy shit. There's all these workbooks and treatment centers and worksheets on the Internet. And, you know, you get that watered down recovery. Why even bother? Go for the gold. Give yourself the best. And what I wanted to really end on is I have a personal note to the reader in the beginning of the book about not giving up on yourself. I'm telling you, folks, nobody else is going to do this for you. You do not have to go down to some sort of corporatized, programmed, consumer, number, statistic, what was my life really about, and I don't even know. I know that was a nice ride, but it's over. You do not have to do that. You can awaken. You can have a completely different existence on this planet for yourself. One where you're happy, you know, and you wake up every morning because you want to get out of bed and you want to, you want to do something and you're, and you're so, and you have friends, right? That's another problem in our world today. We're so disconnected. We are so separate from each other. Don't give up on yourself. Don't quit. This book is meant to be slowly absorbed. Somebody said to me last night, I'm only into the first chapter. I said, that's fine. Take your time. And you remember those books when there you really were a kid? It really is an optimized pace. Remember those books work. when you were a kid where you had a relationship with them and you took them everywhere you went and you just sort of slowly digested because it was just so awesome to be able to grow and learn things. And, and th- we've lost that with our Kindles and our podcasts and all that. Then, you know, it's nice, nice add-ons. But don't let it replace what you can get from carrying a text around and taking quiet time under a tree on a nice spring day to read about stuff that's going to change your entire life. Don't accept status quo, man. That's what they want us to do out there. They want us to be quiet, go home, drink your beer, smoke your joint. That's the next thing that's coming, dude. We're all like, oh, yay, legalized alcoholic. I'm like, oh, no, another reason for us to sit home and not vote. Yeah. and Legalize not participate and not be an activist and not demonstrate and not call our senators and not that's what they want these are all forms of control man yeah. and we're all like we missed that point 
when you know your truth and you have your voice, you become a very dangerous element to the powers that be. Yep. Yeah. And I'm telling you, anyone that's listening out there, you have a voice. You've had it since the beginning. It's the original you. And these motherfuckers have stolen it from you. Right. Yep. Take so it back. It's another Do way that, not accept that. It's another uh, another phrase of this is finding your voice. That's another you've heard. Well, that's a it's that's there. a thing that's being tossed around. If you'll listen, yeah. that inner voice is talking to you already. That little kid's saying, "Come back." Yeah, yep. I want you to. I miss you. Yeah, yeah. And that's about all. I just um, my goal in writing this, in case anybody wonders about my motives, is I just want to help others. And I'm imperfect. I'm a human being, and I have ego too, like anybody else. But the bottom line is how many. I'm really worried about our planet, and I'm really worried about us as a species, and this book makes that very clear. If we do not change spiritually, I call it individual personal spiritual transformation, me, myself, I have to change. If we don't start doing this, we're not going to make it. We are not. We are not going to change our ways. Things are already in motion that seem too big to turn around. Yeah. But if I will change myself, and I'll end on this, if you ever saw an alcoholic come crawling into the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous at their bottom, scraping in, completely absorbed by self-centeredness and ego and pain and resentment and, and not wanting anything else but the pain to stop. That's all I care about. Just get this pain off of me. I will do anything you say just to get this pain or this, this uh, jail sentence off me or this medical issue out of my life. Just whatever it takes. That's all I want, right? They come in here, they do this process, and suddenly they turn into these beings that care about their fellow man. They care about making a difference. They care about having a purpose on this planet. They care about whether or not my life has meaning. They change. They transform. And you don't think that's going to change our world? We have alcoholics who are sober today who are making a difference out there that without that element, the world would be different. Yeah. But because of Dan getting sober and Shane getting sober and changing for his family and for his kids and providing his kids a whole different way to approach life, that's how you change the world, world folks. It's not too late. I mean, I'm an eternal optimist. I do think there's, a, there's opportunities, but we better get with the program, <laughs> so to speak, um, before it's too late. I really appreciate you having me on here, Dan. It's, it's awesome, been a blast, dude. and I've been waiting for this. I, I, I knew this was why. I was standing here today, that clarity backwards. That's what I said. I knew this is why I was doing this now. I know why. You know, I have some vision <laughs> of where things are going and why. More I will be revealed. Things. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so one thing is, is that people are going to want to know where to get this information. One of the things I've started already is a is a Facebook page. It's called Twelve Step Spiritual Recovery. You can find it on there if you just look on Facebook. You can find it. It has a picture of the cover of the book on there as a page. Uh, we start meetings. As we said, this is uh, this February the twenty third today, two thousand nineteen, is the date of this podcast. And uh, so March the fourteenth in Louisville, Kentucky, we're starting the first meeting, and we're going to try to start this thing. I, I, I have I'm uh, I'm going to start one in Southern Indiana also. Uh, and we'll the first this. meeting will be at Unity Church down on Brook Street, yep. Brook Street down from Broadway. Um, 7.30 to 9 o'clock. 7.30 on a Thursday night. And I'm March building 14th. the web page right now, which I hope in a couple of weeks will be up. And, right I, and I want that to be a hub, right, where people can participate and post pictures about their meetings that they're starting. Um, I've already got several pictures from some of our friends who are reading the book, and I'm going to post all those people going through the process. One guy sent a picture in of his cat reading the book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it said, even my cat wants to be free. So that's 12 Recovery. 12 Yeah, .com. And, um... 
should be able to give you everything you need to know to get started. Yep, there's other avenues. There's another one. Uh, the podcasts are being hosted on uh, well, all your major podcasting uh, affiliates, the Apple. Uh, oh, all and that also stuff. I hope to start YouTube videos, and we'll talk about spiritual sickness. We'll talk about the first step, things like that. I'd like to have Dan the Man as a guest, and uh, and yeah, well. The full media blitz let's yeah, so use these tools for change on spiritualunderground.org you can find show notes for the podcast you can also find links to these podcasts uh there's actually uh i have a contact me on that that you can get to me uh personally i uh, will see those emails so the another thing that came up last time around was you know if you're searching for this thing uh my primary purpose today is to help people find this thing this recovery find our uh, that, that which was uh, lost and uh, so if I can help you do that, I want to do that. So do not hesitate to find that. Contact me on spiritualunderground.org. Um, I think that is about all the commercials and all the uh, wind we have for today. So um, Christopher always signed off with something. And I think I'll just let him do it because every time we talk on a daily basis, uh, I know what his salutation at the end of the conversation. So uh, would you oblige me, Christopher? Peace out. more than this broken world they pushed on you shot down cause you wouldn't conceive I ain't to the ship they said to believe always felt there was something else you came to do now the new age is dawning finding that you have so much to
Say 